All right, welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stack in here with you, uh, a little sick and everything, but we're 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 making our way through it. And alongside my good friend and co-host Travis Krenz. Travis, how are we doing? Uh, I I don't I don't know what it is. I really don't. It's uh, I've had a bit of a I, I have gunk and phlegm in the throat, probably more than what you want to know right now. Uh, and, and trying to cough it up and stuff. I had a brief fever on Sunday night. It was probably lasted less than you know about six to twelve hours tops. Uh, had a little few chills, a few aches, but. Other than that, nothing. It's just trying to to get rid of this crap inside, and uh, so it is what it is. But um, you know, it's, it it could be a lot worse. I've I've experienced a number of symptoms that haven't um, that have gone fairly quickly. So that's a good thing, at least. Also, well, was sick last week and got tested and came back negative. So I was good. And you just. Just sick, sinus infection, or whatever the hell it was. Yep. She's better, and thankfully I didn't get sick. It seemed like I usually get sick around uh, end of February. Yes, yeah. I was sick, and I don't know if that was COVID or not, but hopefully I don't get sick this year. That's right, and especially so close to the Sports Block uh, podcast anniversary, which will be anniversary oh, number twelve. Which also, oh, I, I, I overstated. It's, it's your birthday. That's the more important thing. The sports block yeah. podcast just coincides with it. January eighteenth, be next yeah, next Monday. It'd be the will that be the tenth? It'd be the tenth anniversary. Um, yeah. Started no, 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 no. We started in twenty ten because we started our senior year. Yeah, that'd be so eleven years. Eleven years. Year. Yes, that's right. Yep. Wow. Almost well, a teenager. Yes. Almost a teenager. We, we are. Hundreds and hundreds of shows we've done. Wow. Can you can you imagine how it's going to be going through all the the, the puberty and the emotions and stuff here? Unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe it. Um. Yeah. So what do we want to get to here first? Uh, Alabama crushes Ohio State in the national championship game. Wild, uh, fantastic super wild card weekend. Um, what what do you want? What do you want to cover right away? We, we can save the, the terrorist attacks for last. Okay. All right. Yeah, right. That's that's fair enough. I mean, uh, college football is set to unwrap that up. Do we even, do we know uh, who TW was that won the uh, the bowl mania this year? What, what happened? Do, do we know who T.W. is? The guy who won? No, uh, I got a guess. Maybe a guy that used to work here at the Mitchell Paper who's now uncovered Mississippi State right now because T.W.T.W. to me stands uh, the will to win, which is something that uh, former White Sox broadcaster Hawk Harrelson would say. Ah. And this guy was a big White Sox fan, and that was a joke between us. First rule of baseball is you got to catch the ball, and uh, TWTW was the will to win. Okay. Because Carlos was an old fuck that didn't believe in analytics or anything. Yep. That was a big joke between us. So I, I think, and it has to be him. I think I, I can't. I don't know who else it would be. I saw that one of his um, groups was like the New Hampshire Bowl. So I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, do we get someone from out east doing it? But, I don't know. All right. 
So I, I think that's him. I, I can confirm that. Marcus would know best. Um, yeah, he, he won the, the bull pick him, drew on and led most of the way, and then I finished my year fourth or whatever the hell I finished. And uh, Drew usually does well mm-hmm. in the bull pick. He does. He does. If I had uh, remembered to put App State down, I think I would have had a much better chance. Um, yeah. And if I had sw- uh, switched from NC State to Kentucky, those are the two that I did. But, uh, yeah, college football is done. And Alabama, my, oh, my, do they look They look good. They looked every bit a national champion. Uh, Devontae Smith, over 200 yards receiving, a couple scores. And it was a game for about 30 minutes. No, not even. 25 minutes. And then Alabama said, yeah, enough of this. Yeah, they were impressive. Their offense, they were comparing it to LSU right there. That's good. But it was a weird, weird college football season. Um, Like like the the top teams were the top teams. Even if we would have had a normal full season, I'm sure the playoffs probably would have been about the same where nobody really challenged, I guess Florida challenged Alabama, that was about it. Mm-hmm. Nobody really challenged them outside the SEC title game, and Notre Dame didn't, and Ohio State didn't, and Clemson probably would not have. So, yeah, it was a clear-cut number one this year, Alabama. And uh, that, that wide receiver, I was talking or uh, mentioned to Charlie that you may, you may want him, but they picked number four. Three. Uh, they picked three. Pick three? Yes. Yep. The Texans oh, would really? pick third. Oh. So yeah, the Dolphins get that third pick. I'm expecting somewhere in the top four is going to be two quarterbacks and the offensive tackle from Oregon. Mm-hmm. I expect Devontae Smith to be a top five pick. So do they want if that Oregon guy is available at three, which he should be? Mm-hmm. You take. I guess you would probably take him. That so would leave Devontae. Uh, Smith for Rivers 4-5. or five. I think, it, it, this is just me, I think the Jets should take Devontae Smith at two. Pair him up with, I mean, with, if you could pair him up with Sam Darnold, because it, I think Sam Darnold still has some talent. This isn't a Josh Rosen sort of deal. They just haven't been able to develop yeah. Sam Darnold or give him, supply him with the right uh, requisite of weapons. So you could go quarterback if you want, but I think the Jets should go wide receiver here and really give uh, um, Sam Darnold that weapon. I believe he would be the the only other... Did Joe Namath win the Heisman? I don't believe so. Okay. No, no Alabama player... Oh yeah, at the, least no Alabama quarterback had ever won. Right. Yep. Oh, no. Yep. Uh, you're correct. I apologize for that error. But I mean, Joe Namath, you know, played at Alabama and is a famous Jet. Devonte Smith could be that next guy. Now that's a lot of pressure put on him. But um, I don't know if I'm the Jets. I highly look at that because I don't think you could sell the Jets fan base on that Sewell guy from Oregon, the offensive tackle. It's got to be quarterback or wide receiver here in Devontae Smith. I mean, it's the only options. Like they're talking about the Oregon guy, like the great offensive tackle of the generation or whatever. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Yeah. Boy, he didn't play this year, did he? Um, I don't think so. I think he's dead out there. Yeah. I think so. Yep. You want to transition that into the, your quarterback talk? Yeah. Yep. Certainly. You know, yeah, because we've been teasing this for a couple of weeks now. And I yeah. just look at 
how many uh, teams need quarterbacks here? And Krenz, I got I got to tell you here, I have got at least a third of the league. No, yeah, the, probably almost half the league with significant quarterback questions. So we're we're just gonna go. To, I would I would say I would say I would say that there are teams who certainly rank higher than others, um, but you know let's just start in the North, in the NFC North specifically. There are two teams with quarterback questions: uh, Matthew Stafford and the Lions. Is he going to be back? You know, do they have to find that replacement? What do you do with them? And of course, the Bears. Are they going to re-sign Mitchell Trubisky? Uh, Nick Foles. Where does he go? And then I would even put the Vikings on the low tier there, just if you know they they want to move away from Kirk Cousins or potentially draft a quarterback. The Vikings do have it as go, as great as Kirk played this year. It's still not cemented that the Vikings couldn't choose to go a different direction. So those are three teams right there in the NFC North. I would I would not put the Vikings there. Um, I think you've been big on Deshaun Watson. I'm sure we'll talk about that plenty mm-hmm. uh, in the next few months. Like Detroit, in the mock draft, I had them taking Tua in the mock draft. And Tua, I, I don't know if he's going to be any good or not, but you got to move on from Matt Stafford. It's no fault of Matt Stafford. I, you, you, we, what, we've done this for, what, 10 years now? Mm-hmm. All right, made the playoffs three times, I think. Okay. Yep. Uh, move on. Uh, through the Bears, Frank... Uh, you got to move on from Frank. We we know what Frank is. He played well at the end of the season after getting benched. Mm-hmm. Nick Foles is no good. You're not doing anything with Frank. We know who Frank is. Frank is no good. Kind of like we thought. He's no good. So instead of taking Frank in front of Mahomes and Watson, the Bears are back at at square one here. So yep. I would I would agree with Detroit and Chicago. Um, more so Chicago, because Stafford's a good quarterback. Right. Uh, Frank is not. So Detroit can do this anytime they want. They keep Stafford for the next five years, or, or they can move on anytime. They're still going to be a 7-9. And like I say, like I'm, ju- I'm not saying that Minnesota is in dire need of a quarterback or has that. It's just... it's. Still, to me, it's not solidified because they could, they could choose. And I'm, t- I'm looking at free agency or the draft. And the Vikings certainly could take a first round uh, quarterback, even though I don't think that would be I the wise I mean, decision. But who knows? You know, if, if Kirk gets shipped no. to San Francisco, that's really um, kind of where I'm, where I'm leaning or going with this here. Um, so yes, Minnesota's way down on the tier, but I still keep them because you just never know. Let's uh, let's then in the AFC North, Cleveland seems pretty set at quarterback with Baker Mayfield. Baltimore yeah. set with Lamar Jackson. Cincy has their franchise quarterback of the future in Joe Burrow, and then it's Pittsburgh. And we saw what p- happened to Pittsburgh the last month and a half of this season. Ben Roethlisberger carries a $41 million cap charge if he plays again next year with the Steelers. I would have to imagine that they are going to renegotiate that to drop that cap number, but he is aging. Uh, We know what 
you know, Duck Hodges did and Mason Rudolph. We kind of know what the Steelers have as his backups. So the Steelers with a big quarterback, uh, I don't know, conundrum, just questions going into this offseason if A, Big Ben is returning or what his future holds, and then B, if he doesn't, where do they go? So Pittsburgh with a pretty significant quarterback question. I would agree with that. Ben Roethlisberger was absolutely terrible. Uh, Kyle Trask is the quarterback that I like in this draft. You can probably get him where Pittsburgh is picking, which is probably 22nd or wherever they're picking. Um, yeah, so you, you could get Kyle Trask. Yeah, I think they're picking 24th. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they did not have one last year because they traded that to uh, – Miami for Mika Fitzpatrick, and um, they usually pick defensive guys in the first round. So mm-hmm. uh, Pittsburgh can move on. Uh, it seems rare that teams timed this out correctly. Green Bay, it worked for Green Bay, but they had to wait three or four years uh, for Aaron Rodgers to get there, and they went with the Utah State guy. And at the moment, that does not appear that he's ever going to play with the Packers because. At this rate, you're not getting rid of Aaron Rodgers for the next four years, right? I would say. Yep. So what do you, what do, you do with uh, Jordan Love at that point? Kind of like uh, Garoppolo, where you expect Garoppolo to play for New England, but Tom Brady's still playing, and he's almost 45 years old. So. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, let's move to the. East divisions now, and in the AFC East, certainly the Jets. What is Sam Darnold going to be their quarterback of the future, or are they going to try and draft a, a Justin Fields, a Zach Wilson uh, from BYU, uh, number two overall? So look out for the Jets. The, the Jets have a number of quarterback uh, questions that they're looking at. New England. I don't think Cam Newton's going to be back. Uh, reports are that they were looking to kind of go their separate ways. Now, there's been a little pushback on it from the New England side, but one would have to imagine that New England's going to be in the market for another quarterback because I don't think Jarrett Stidham is their guy. And then, so those are the two. It's kind of like in the NFC North where Detroit and Chicago have those questions. The Jets and the Patriots do, probably a little more significant than Detroit and Chicago. And then my I throw Miami in there just because... There's questions about if Tua is going to be that guy. And Deshaun Watson, one of his trade destinations is Miami that he wants to go to. So Miami, not solidified there, not in a permanent spot at the quarterback position between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua. And if they make a trade or they have Houston's third pick. So if they don't trade for Deshaun Watson, if Watson chooses to stay in Houston... Do they take uh, a Fields or a Zach Wilson with the third pick, or do they keep going with Tua? Tua did not have a great rookie year compared to Justin Herbert, who was taking a spot after him with the Chargers. Yeah, like they, they won some games, but Tua wasn't great, and he got fenced at the end. So I'm sure they'll give him another year or two uh, to figure things out. But uh, at least Miami won some games, just just missed the playoffs. So uh, New England, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, I'm sure, I mean, New England doesn't have a quarterback. I wouldn't be moment. surprised if they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. 
That's the that's the thing I think that makes the most sense, and that's why I put Minnesota kind of in that that mix because then if San Francisco's in the market for a quarterback, Kyle Shanahan could reach out to try and get Kirk Cousins, a guy who he had success with in Washington and who he wanted initially to come to San Francisco before they made the move and traded for Garoppolo. So you need San Francisco to trade their quarterback. Yes. So the Vikings can trade theirs. And if they don't get Deshaun Watson, then I would not make that move. You need some some assurance. Yes. Some, something. Yep. A three-way trade of some sorts. And I don't know what else you would have to Mm-hmm. You give him a first round pick. You give him a couple first round picks. I don't know what else you would uh, have to give them. Mm-hmm. I, don't know, I don't know what the asking price is, but yeah, I would, I would like Sean Watson. I would too. But, uh, I, don't see that, I don't see that happening. No, I, it's very, very unlikely. But again, that's why I have Minnesota in there, just because certain dominoes may fall. Uh, but we have to see there. So I again, I have Miami kind of in that similar situation with Minnesota. They have a quarterback. He's a lot younger, of course, than Kirk Cousins, but is he the true future of the franchise? It was the tank for Tua, and then he didn't end up being all that good. Uh, So, cover the AFC East. The NFC East. The Giants seem pretty set with Daniel Jones, at least for another year. I mean, I'd put them on the list. I mean, he's terrible. He fucking sucks. (laughs) So, you would put him on the list, because I did not have him. I did not have them on the list. I would put them on that. I don't have the Vikings on the list. Okay. I would. I mean, geez. I mean, fuck. He sucks. Okay. He's not good. Like, okay. let's look at his numbers. They were the same. His numbers are basically the same as last year. His touchdown. Last year actually played better in, in some aspects. His quarterback rating was down, but his QBR was up. He sucks. He's not any good. This big tall son of a bitch from Duke. Surprise, surprise. Fucking sucks. So <laughs> you're not wrong. Here, you're not wrong. Oh yeah, year three. If I'm the Giants, why why are we wasting our fucking time here with with dipshit who went away? You went five and nine. How the fuck do you start fourteen games in the NFL and throw eleven touchdowns? How is that physically possible? To throw the he threw the ball four hundred and fifty times. He threw eleven touchdowns. How in the shit is that possible? I don't know. I I can't tell you. I it. It, it's it's important. Well, he doesn't have a lot of great offensive weapons to throw to. I mean, if Golden Tate, an aging Golden Tate's your number one, that's not great. Sterling Shepard wasn't fantastic. He also didn't have Saquon Barkley for all but one game last year. So, I mean, there. I agree with you. I, I Daniel Jones. To, I, I just feel like out of the out of the teams in the NFC East, they seem to be the most set at quarterback because they they have essentially said yes Daniel Jones is our quarterback going forward at least for this next year I would want the, I'd want Dallas's quarterback situation and I'd want Philadelphia's quarterback situation more so than the Giants because yep. I like both of their quarterbacks more well Dallas is on this list because until they get Dak Prescott under contract they're going to have questions at the quarterback position. He's going to cost them a lot of money. He has all the leverage. They couldn't get it done last year. Uh, I, I'm not. I, I don't. They say they're going to get it done. I don't trust them. I really don't. I, I don't. I just don't see. What, what's the difference between? Maybe they see just how valuable he was after uh, the injury and like, oh boy, we better get this 
deal done. But until it does, Dallas has questions. Washington has questions. They don't have Dwayne Haskins anymore. Taylor Heineke played really well in that wild card game against uh, Tampa Bay. So I don't know if that translates into a big NFL payday for him specifically with Washington or as a backup with another team. But Washington, I don't know. You know, Alex Smith, is he going to play there? They they are in the market for a quarterback. And then Philadelphia, just with questions, I doubt they're going to move on and get a, and bring in a new quarterback. I have seen mock drafts. I have seen one specific mock draft that had them taking um, Trey Lance from North Dakota State at number six. Uh, that I think would, that was before Doug Peterson got fired. And that I think was predicated on Carson Wentz getting traded to, you know, Indianapolis, for example. Uh, and if you're still not sold on Jalen Hurts, so I think the the 2021 starting quarterback week one is currently on the Eagles roster, and I'm I'm 80% positive it's Carson Wentz just because they fired Peterson and Jeffrey Lurie has a has a, a thing. Uh, a secret relationship with Carson Wentz or something. I don't know, but he seems pretty infatuated with him. So I think Peterson's firing indicates more that Wentz is going to stay. But you saw what Hurts did. So I, but Philadelphia does have questions there, but they're far lower on the list. Jalen Hurts is going to start Week One. I w- that's yeah. what I would go with because Wentz sucks. He really does. He's no good. Um, Dak Prescott franchise tag would be around thirty-eight million. So, if you didn't give it to him last year, I wouldn't give it to him this year again. Uh, coming off of an injury, you just never know. He'll probably be fine, but uh, you never know. If he's got another injury, what happens to his career? So, I would give him another uh, franchise tag and then see if I could, you know, get something uh, next year. You know what? You know what team I would want to see them to see try and trade for him if the Cowboys. The Vikings. The Vikings. No, no. Well, the Vikings are up there, but I I wouldn't do that. The Indianapolis Colts. The Colts. Uh, Philip Rivers is out there. I'm sure he'll sign with the team. I don't know how much Ron Rivera likes Cam Newton uh, to be in Washington, as Cam Newton appears to be finished. Yeah. If Cam Newton has another year like he had this year, he should be done. Yep. So, and Washington, and then this BYU quarterback, I, I'm not, I'm not so sure that he's going to be any good either. No, so, you are certainly not sold be, on him. No, there's probably four or five. Be the what? Trask might go in, might go in the first round. We expect uh, Trevor Lawrence will be one. Justin Fields will be in the top five. Trey Lance will be in the first round somehow. And the BYU guy is going to be in the first round. So that's four, and maybe the Florida guy would be five. And in free agent-wise, there's not a lot out there. You got Dak Prescott, who probably won't be a free agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Philip Rivers, who is Philip Rivers. You have Ryan Fitzpatrick, who can be a guy in Washington, or he's, a, he's your one-year stopgap guy. Uh, James Winston, as we get to the Saints, James Winston is out there. Mm-hmm. Cam Newton was awful. Andy Dalton uh, played well at times for Dallas. Tyler Taylor got stabbed in the chest. Uh, Frank Trubisky should be out of the league, but he'll be a backup somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is okay. 
and those are quarterbacks worth a damn or are out there this year. Yep. No, I agree. And as you mentioned, Jameis Winston and the Saints, so we'll move to the South. I have all four teams in the NFC South with quarterback question marks headed into this offseason. Um, the, let's go to the, the most obvious here. New Orleans, it doesn't. It, it seems like this is Drew Brees' last year, so do they stick with Taysom Hill or do they go into the market? Do they draft, another, do they draft a quarterback? What does Sean Payton have up his sleeve? So, I, I'm curious to see what New Orleans does there, but I'm we're fairly certain that Drew Brees is retiring. That's why I have New Orleans on this list. Atlanta, Matt Ryan, he's older. You're going to have a new coach in there. Does Matt Ryan become expendable? Because uh, Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, has stopped short of saying that Julio Jones and Matt Ryan are untouchable and that they are going to finish their careers with the Falcons. They could be moving on from both of them. Uh, the Falcons are in some salary cap trouble, so Atlanta is a team to look at. Tampa Bay, just from the standpoint of, is Tom Brady going to come back for another season? Does it depend on what happens this year? We'll find out, but Tampa Bay is in the market potentially. Uh, they're far lower on the list. And then Carolina, yes, they signed Teddy Bridgewater to that three-year deal, but he didn't play that well down the stretch. They are likely in the uh, market to draft a quarterback. Could they bring another one in in free agency? Unlikely, but I think it's they still have quarterback question uh, question marks surrounding them, and I think they are going to be drafting a quarterback. But really, if you look at the NFC South, I think every team has a question at the quarterback position that they have to answer. I think everybody but Atlanta returns the quarterback they have this year. Are you thinking that Drew Brees stays or retires? I think he retires. So they stick with Taysom Hill then? Maybe they re-sign Jameis Winston. Why not? Uh, how many teams ever done this or if they have? So I don't remember. Play two quarterbacks. Jameis Winston did not cost you anything. Taysom Hill will not cost you anything. You can have two quarterbacks for $5 million. It's not a bad idea. Whatever. Um, save money on your quarterback. Taysom Hill played. He wasn't awful. Um, Jameis Winston hasn't only played, so we don't know how good he is. Maybe a year of this did him good. Mm-hmm. He's shown he can be good at times. Um, Saints, yeah, Drew Brees looks about cooked. And if he doesn't die first, um, bring back those two guys you had this year and just see what happens. Because you're good enough to not need a... Ellen Kamara is good enough. They're a good enough team that you don't need an amazing quarterback to, to win some games. And as big of an asshole as he is, Sean Payton is one of the best coaches in the NFL. Maybe. You don't but think? He's had Drew Brees. He's had Drew Brees for 15 years. Let's see. Bill Belichick was awfully good with Tom Brady for 20 years. Bill Belichick went to a lot this year. When you have a Hall of Fame quarterback... Mike McCarthy was pretty good with Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. He wasn't so hot with Andy Dalton. True. I think you need a good quarterback. So if, if uh, asshole Sean Payton can uh, turn in something with, with shithead from BYU or shithead from Florida State, then I would say, all right, he's pretty good. Remember the last year when Drew Brees hurt his thumb, broke his thumb, had to have surgery, 
and Teddy Bridgewater stepped in. I believe this, oh, yes. the Saints did they go three and one or was it four and zero? Oh? They something like that. They, yeah, so. He, it's not like Drew Brees has had a consecutive start streak here that's untouchable. Um, and Taysom Hill had to go in for a few games when Drew Brees had his rib issues. So, um, I mean, you've got the best, one of the best receiver, like Michael Thomas, yes. play a whole lot this year. Yep. You, know, you got him and Elvin Kamara. Elvin Kamara, he was hurt last year, and he's been great this year. So, you got Michael Thomas, Elvin Kamara. That's a good start. Mm-hmm. So we move to the AFC South then. Um, Jacksonville with quarterback questions. They're going to take Trevor Lawrence. I mean, so that's a that's an yeah, easy. They don't, yeah, they're, they're, they're done. It's they're the done. easiest one to do, but it, it's still it's. I'm saying they're going into the off season with quarterback questions, so they're going to solidify that in the draft. Easy. Indy is Philip Rivers going to come back? I don't think so. They have so much cap space. That's why I think they are going to trade for a quarterback, whether that be a Carson Wentz or a Dak Prescott. They're going to maybe Philip Rivers comes back if neither of those two options work out, or maybe he retires. I don't know. But but Indianapolis is a good enough team. They're a win now team that they just need that a, a younger quarterback. I think to come in and make uh, take them perhaps. Uh, into that threshold with Baltimore and Kansas City as uh, teams to, and even Tennessee, I guess, to a certain extent, as teams with Super Bowl aspirations in the AFC. So Indianapolis is on there just because that, and I'm putting Houston on there because Deshaun Watson seems like he wants to get traded out of there because the Texans are a shitty organization. Uh, there's no, no two ways about it. They're not very good. They didn't listen to him. He's pissed off. He wants a trade. And so, as specifically related to Houston, and we can get into the the, the Deshaun Watson uh, portion here, um, he did not want the GM, Nick Casario, from New England. The firm that the Texans hired and paid, I believe I saw Pro Football Talk say roughly $600,000 Nick Casario wasn't even a candidate. There was a Omar Khan or something from uh, from Pittsburgh. That was who was going to be named the GM of the Texans. And then Nick Easterby, some Patriot guy who's kind of a weasel in the background, he swindled. He I don't know what he did, but he persuaded Cal McNair, the Texans owner, to go a different route, to go with... Casterio and that pissed Deshaun Watson off even more and now they're trying to smooth things over they are going to interview Eric Bieniemy. Bieniemy would be great for working with Deshaun Watson but the Texans don't have a first or a second round pick this year aging roster they just don't have a lot of talent there that's going to be a very tough job to do anything good with outside of the fact that you have a top five quarterback into Sean Watson if he wants to be there. So Houston's on my list because of that quarterback spot. But just what are your thoughts regarding Deshaun Watson? Uh, Dabo Sweeney calling him the Michael Jordan of quarterbacks and stuff, which is obviously a little, uh, a bit of a stretch, but he's so good. And the Texans seem to have really rubbed him the wrong way. And I understand where he's coming from because if I were told that I had input in the head coaching and the GM decisions and then 
you didn't do anything that I say or that I am giving input on, that seems to be a, a telltale sign. Yeah, I would uh, see. Where would you put Deshaun Watson? I'd maybe put him in the top five for quarterbacks, I guess. Yep. Definitely Ryan top Rogers, ten. Somewhere in there. I you know, giving their first round pick, which ended up being a high pick to Miami, was bad. It was just a lot of bad moves. A lot of bad moves. Um, yeah. Maybe you know, the, the big thing is them trading for Tua, them trading uh, Miami, and then them getting their picks back for Miami. Mm-hmm. I think that would be good. You get Tua, you get Devontae Smith out of that deal. And then, then things are looking up. Maybe for them. Um, so, I don't know, a lot, a lot of different holes out there. And uh, he's making a lot of money, only making like $10 million next year, but a lot of money after that. And, like, every team should be wanting this guy. Mm-hmm. The Jets should be calling Houston. Miami should be calling Houston. The Colts, they won't do that trade. But any, everybody should be saying, do you want our number two pick, our number three pick? Here it is. What, yep. what else do you want? Give us. Give us this guy. Yep, absolutely. Are you in agreement, though, with me that Deshaun Watson is got a right to be upset um, sure. with the way things have gone? I don't think he's going anywhere. I think they're keeping him. Um, yeah, I guess if they say you want input, you don't get input, then he should be mad. He should want out. I don't see them trading him. I don't think I would because he's excellent. Mm-hmm. Maybe in a couple of years, if things don't work out, he's got a long contract. So Houston, Houston was good for a while, and they traded away all their guys. DeAndre Hopkins, who's a Hall of Famer, JJ Watt, who's a Hall of Famer, Sean mm-hmm. Watson probably will be. They've mm-hmm. had a lot of guys. Andre Johnson was very good. Gary mm-hmm. Foster was very good. Mm-hmm. They've had a lot of star players. Like you look at, oh, I was thinking about this the other day. You look at the other expansion teams like Cleveland or Jacksonville or Carolina through the years, they, they have not had players like the Texans have had. Like the Panthers have had Cam Newton, they've had Steve Smith, Christian McCaffrey's still early. They That's about all the offensive guys they've ever had. Hussein Muhammad was fine. Yep. They've had Julius Pepper, they've had some nice defensive players. But you look at all the offensive guys. That I mentioned with Houston. Yeah. Like Jacksonville never yeah. had that. Well, like uh, Carolina, uh, Cleveland never had that. Oh, yeah. And uh, they, they've wasted it away. Uh, Cleveland for sure. Jacksonville, though, I remember, you know, had Jimmy Smith, Keenan McCardle, Fred Taylor, well, Mark Brunel was good. I mean, they were a very good franchise for a long period of time. Tom Coughlin was there at the helm. Um, at the time, I, think- I, I remember, like I remember Mark Brunel being good, and then I, I brought up, I bring up his stats, and they're like not good. So I don't know, it was a different era. What would you guess is his? What was his career high for touchdown passes when he was with Jacksonville? Mm, just given, it's unbelievably low. It's it, like I was, I was going to say twenty-five or twenty-six. 20. Wow. He's 20 in his first year he threw for, or secondary threw for 4,300 yards. Other than that, he threw for 3,600. It was a different era. Yep. And he was, Mark Burnell was good. They won a lot of games. 
But I thought he, statistically, I thought he was better than he was. Did, Jacksonville was really good there in the late 90s. Do you have his rushing statistics, though? Because he was sort of a dual threat. What were his rushing? What did he do rushing? He was an older quarterback when he was there. Yeah, rushing yards. He really didn't do much rushing. 250 okay. yards a year, maybe. First year was 480. Second year was 400. After that, he was down in the lower 200s. Okay. So. All right. Oh, there goes my. You, you would think with all of those guys and all the stats those guys put up, you think like, oh yeah, he Mark Brunel threw for three touchdowns and four thousand yards. So mm-hmm. that, that, he threw for twenty. Threw for twenty touchdowns. Yeah. It's, it's, you think about all those quarterbacks back in the day. Like, apparently, thirty touchdowns was a big deal. Like, did John Elway ever throw thirty touchdowns in a season? I don't know. And we check it out here. You mean John Elway? Like, oh, he's he's great. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure he did that. He well, threw. I mean, Troy Aikman has brought that up a lot, too. Like, yeah. it's just a different day from when he was. I mean, if you look at Troy Aikman's stats now compared to uh, the quarterbacks of today, it's it's not great. John Elway threw 27 one year. That was his best. 27 touchdowns. That's crazy. Troy Troy Aikman threw over 19 touchdowns once. He threw for 23. One year. Ryan Fitzpatrick has better numbers or comparable numbers to Troy Aikman. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is the second Hall of Fame. That goes back a couple weeks ago when I said that Frank had like a better quarterback rating than Aikman and Brett Favre and a couple of these other guys. Like, how does Frank have a better quarterback rating than Brett Favre? I right. Don't know. So, well, it's weird. It, it, Frank has a Nickelodeon Valuable Player Award, though, from yeah, Sunday. A, I don't know, was that a joke or what? Like, did they, how did they pick that? How I don't, they, pick I, him? they were just voting. I don't know how it went down. I have to imagine it was a joke. Uh, or maybe Who's the worst player on the field today? Oh, him? Give him the trophy. That's why he should be slimed. But how, how about that? You win that, you win that award, and yeah, whatever. That's bad. So... Yeah, I, I agree with you, though. Houston has had the talent over the years because uh, there was a, a, a pretty significant stretch there where they were winning the division year after year after year. And they made it to the divisional playoffs, and that was all the further they could get. You know, last year they I made... Would only put, yeah, I would only put Indianapolis on that list. I wouldn't put Jacksonville because we know. Yep. I wouldn't put Houston until they make a move. And I wouldn't put Tennessee because Tannehill's going to be there. So yep. I would only put okay. Colts on that list. Yep. And again, Jacksonville is strictly only because they don't have the, the quarterback. It's just for the draft. So, yep. no, I, I am in full agreement there. And I didn't have Tennessee listed on that or put on that list at all. Then it just leaves us with the AFC and the NFC West. And... I have no team from the AFC West on there. Derek Carr is the, uh, of course, we know Hall of Famer Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. Justin Herbert's the face of the franchise with the Chargers. Derek Carr is the face, at least for another year, with the Raiders. And then Denver seems to be uh, giving Drew Locke one more year. Whether that's right or not, you can be the judge of that. But they seem to, there, there aren't any quarterback questions that I see in the AFC West, even though maybe Denver should perhaps be that. And then on the NFC side, Russell Wilson, no. 
Uh, Jared Goff and the Rams? No. Kyler Murray and the Cardinals? Absolutely not. That leaves you with San Francisco, and San Francisco would be low on that list only if they want to move on from Garoppolo and where they would be. So it's it's just San Francisco that I have, and again, they are lower on the list. I would put the Broncos would be the only team on, on, on the list for me. Because mm-hmm. Drew Locke also not good. No. Who would you rather have, Drew Locke or Daniel Jones? Drew Locke. Okay. So, yeah. So I have a lot less teams on my list. I would say I have one, two, three, four, maybe six teams. Yeah, I I think you have about eight on there. Eight? Yep. Eight of them, I guess, so a quarter. Yep. I guess. Oh, yeah. So it's just interesting. I don't. I just don't remember a year going into it where there were so many questions that, or there were there are at least some. Some teams have some questions. Other teams have significant questions. It's just. It's just one of those years. It, it, it's amazing that quarterbacks are so hard to find. Yeah, it really is. It shouldn't be. Uh, Taylor Heineke apparently is a Trump fuck, so <coughs> I was happy for him. I was happy. Oh, look at this guy, yeah. And I found out who he was. I'm like, oh, I wish he'd break his neck, so that sucks. He's a former Viking, too. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember Taylor Heineke. He's a piece of shit. Um, so that was that. Um, and it was just that Washington got to a point where nobody's ever started a game ever started a game. And he did fine. He actually did pretty well. Mm-hmm. than anybody could have, could have thought. So, how many guys are out there that could actually be okay? They'll, they'll never play. They'll never play a game, but they might be good enough to stick around. We'll mm. never know. Yeah, we won't. Because it's, it's difficult to even name backups. No. Unless they got injured. So, that would be the only way. Um... Wild card weekend was I. I was a little hesitant with that seven team added on each side, but every game apart from the Bears Saints game, which was bad, but the Nickelodeon telecast was great. Nate Burleson does a fantastic job. Uh, Ian e- Ian Eagles kid Noah Eagle was the he was he was doing the play by play on Nickelodeon, so that was fun. Um, I watched Nickelodeon extensive, like exclusively for that Bears Saints game. Um, it, they they did really good. I think Nickelodeon's going to do it again uh, at some point, maybe for the Super Bowl or otherwise down the line. But it was good. Uh, you know, we go through it. You know, the, the great first game to open it up with a controversy at the end with Zach Pascal being down or not. But the, the Colts arguably probably should have won that game. Because they dominated the first half and yet found themselves trailing 14-10. If I, Krenz, if, if you were had fourth and goal from the four with two minutes to go, would you kick a field in the first half? Would you kick a field goal or try and maybe go for the jugular and get a touchdown? Knowing from the Bills? Yeah, in the Bills game. I didn't, I didn't, I saw a little bit of this, I don't know what. 
But I, I'm just saying, so if you're up 10-7 to and you have it fourth and goal from the four late in the first half, do you kick a field goal or yeah. do you or do you uh, go for a touchdown? Do you go for it on fourth down? I kick a field goal. Okay, so uh, that's what I would do too. Frank Wright didn't. And then the Bills came down and scored a touchdown. We're up 14-10 at the half. Like, it's just, even if they score a touchdown after you kick a field goal, you're still only down one. You do. Yep. And then Rodrigo missed a field goal later on in the second half, so that hurt them. It hurt the Colts' chances, too. But uh, a very good game. I, I didn't think the Bills played wonderful, but they did enough to get the win. I think it's anytime it's your first game, probably at, you know, first playoff game at home, certainly for them in 25 years, no one was around then to know that, but, um, or to remember that even, but just to get that, that that was a lot of pressure, I think on them. So we'll see what happens this week when they take on Baltimore. So that was good. Uh, the, the Saturday afternoon game, Seattle looked like crap. They, they, I, and it amazes me. Well, they, they, Go ahead. We mentioned Pittsburgh and Seattle. Those teams have looked like crap all month, and mm-hmm. they played like it um, on Saturday and Sunday. They did. S- Seattle's looked like crap, though, for more than just a month. It, it's amazing to me how Russell Wilson gets them away from danger so many times, and this time he couldn't. Aaron Donald, just too much pressure on him. The, the Rams' defense was great. And Seattle ultimately loses this game, thirty to twenty. But if you, even you look back to um, that game against the Vikings, they shouldn't have won that game. Um, and there are so there are countless of Miami that possibly they they should have lost the, that one. Um, Arizona had a chance to tie the game late. Like Seattle has flirted with danger so many times that it was inevitable that it would catch up to them. Um, I was still surprised. You were, you were a savage on Russell Wilson, uh, apparently on Twitter. I was. I yes, I was. Let's let's just. I'll say this. I, I didn't. I didn't see yeah, any of this game really. Marcus had it on his phone for a while. I, I, I didn't care about this game, but I'll say this: Russell Wilson wanted a Super Bowl in the second season. Yeah. That's. That's going to be it. He's not going to win another Super Bowl. I don't I, think he's going to get to another one. I would agree with that. This is the thing. Like Aaron Rodgers, like we said, these great quarterbacks, they've been to one Super Bowl. Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, all these quarterbacks. Russell Wilson has one. Rodgers and Brees have one. Mm-hmm. Brees or Rodgers will probably get to another one here this season. Mm-hmm. And we'll see if they win it. Pat Mahomes has one. He might win another one this year, or he may never win another one again. So. Quite possibly. Um, oh, where was I going to go with this here? You like there's been talk on Twitter that how could Ole Miss be so bad offensively or not be better offensively when you had AJ Brown and DK Metcalf as your wide receivers? Like these guys are beasts. How can Seattle not be more consistent? How can they not be better offensively when you have DK Metcalf? Tyler Lockett and Chris Carson for your running back and Russell Wilson for your quarterback. Like, how can Seattle not be more consistent on offense? Like that, at least, at least the Vikings. The Vikings are a lot better on offense than Seattle is. They're they're more consistent, I should say. Maybe not better. They're more consistent. 
My DK Metcalf was turned up, and then he just kind of went away at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. He didn't do anything, so I, I don't know what what that issue is. But uh, well, I, I, I saw this article. I didn't read it, but um, Russell Wilson and Ben Roethlisberger, something about them. Um, we'll say this about the weekend, though. There were no comebacks. There were no second half comebacks. Baltimore was down ten nothing and came back, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, Colts were ahead for a little while, so there was no second half comeback at all. If you let it halftime, you won the game. Pittsburgh was close. They were close, and then Mike yeah, Tomlin no, no, decided no, to no. go to kick it on fourth and one, uh, punted on fourth and one. Yeah. Um, they were down by twelve. I think it was close as they got. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's a move. I mean, fourth and one, you're down 12. You were down 28. It's at the 40 45 with a quarter to go, and you don't have the stones to go for it. Like, you deserve to lose. Mm hmm. And that Cleveland comes right back, scores, and the ball game's done. And so, uh, that, was, that was by far, and I think everybody agrees, that was by far the most satisfying playoff game of the week and yes. of a long time. Yes, absolutely. And you ha- you have to feel so good for Cleveland Browns fans, the city of Cleveland, just for that franchise, for all they've been through. Uh, they had talked about the last uh, win that the, the, the Browns had was against the Patriots. And you think back to the, the losses, their last two playoff losses were both to the Steelers. We remember the Kelly Holcomb game. Uh, that that fantastic uh, comeback that Pittsburgh had. Uh, Tommy Maddox, I believe, was the starting quarterback for the Steelers then. And then they had they that year after the the Browns lost to the Steelers right after they beat the Patriots there in '94. So just for them it, to beat their big brother, their arch rival, and just the way it happened, like given everything that Cleveland had gone through last week with COVID. And because you picked, and I'll give you full credit, you picked Cleveland to win this game. I was hesitant just because of the COVID stuff. Even though you know Pittsburgh had played one good quarter in a month, it's not. It wasn't even a good or one good half in a month. They didn't play a good game. They played a good half against Indianapolis. But just from the outset, the snap over the head, and the Browns recover for a touchdown. Big Ben throwing interceptions left and right, and yet. Like they said on the telecast, Browns fans aren't going to rest easy. And then you know, once Pittsburgh's offense got going, it's like, okay, come on, Cleveland. You got to pick it up at some point. Like you're getting a little lackadaisical. And then they answered with that touchdown after that punt. Like that was just, that was when I think Cleveland fans could breathe easy or easier. But I mean, just so ha- I'm so happy for the Browns fans and for that fan base because I agree. When Cleveland is better, the NFL is better because they are one of the original franchises of the NFL. And I say that, like Chris Collinsworth, who I really like, it was like, oh, look out for Pittsburgh. And it's like, you know, maybe they'll make a run because that's what usually what happens to Cleveland. And they made a bit of a run, but they never got closer than 12. Yep. During the game, they ended up uh, winning by 11 game. They never got within one score. That was in 12 there in the fourth quarter, and they decided to punt. Uh, but, but Pittsburgh was so terrible. 
this last month, losing to Washington, losing, mm-hmm. getting your, literally getting your ass kicked by Cincinnati. Just getting fucking yeah. stomped yep. by backup quarterback uh, Ryan Finley and the, the Bengals. Just mm-hmm. getting stomped. And uh, Roethlisberger was absolutely awful. Uh, he should retire. He won't, but he should. He should be done. He should be done. And what, 68 passes for him, that's ridiculous. So they have no, no running game. They've got to figure something out. I think they have over 20 free agents. And significant ones. You know, like Big Ben or, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, Marquise Pouncey. Like, Pittsburgh, I, it, you know, listen, I think Cleveland and Baltimore are the teams to look at in the AFC North, certainly next year. And I think it's Cincinnati. I think Pittsburgh takes a massive step back. They could, unless Roethlisberger, unless he was hurt. I don't know why he was so bad this last month. He's old. I have no he, idea. He did have bad he knees. He he's ba- very old, he, but he, he did I have... don't know what happened there. Unless he's hurt or that they, they can't figure something out how to make this effective because that was bad football. Well, he I know he had some knee injuries, but it wasn't just the knee injuries because it, they couldn't run the ball. And that's amazing to, to think that yeah. the Steelers, a Steelers team, cannot run the football. And you, it's not like they have a bad running back. They have James Conner. He's a good running back. Yeah, that's rough. That's rough. And I'm interested to see here uh, when the first seven seed will, will win. It may be a while. The Colts almost pulled it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would have been a shame if the Colts would not have made the playoffs because they, 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 were, they were good enough to make the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. The Bears were not. That was a, that's a joke. So hopefully they get more years like uh, the Colts being the 17th instead of uh, shit like the Bears. Yep. Because uh, yeah, that was that was the worst game of the week, and uh, we'll we'll see how long it takes a seven seed to, to beat a two seed. Yeah, yeah, it might be a while, but but you never know. Like you say, it was close between the Colts and the Bills, especially when all the teams in the AFC had at least eleven wins, which is staggering. Really and if the Colts get to play Pittsburgh, uh, the Colts probably win. That's the seven Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, divisional playoff. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. I'm Oh, okay. Um, so divisional playoff weekend here. Uh, it starts Saturday. Rams at the Packers, four thirty-five, three thirty-five p.m. Central Time on Fox. Um. I think the Rams are going to give the Packers a big run for their money, but it comes down to two. It really comes down to three things for me. How healthy is Aaron Donald? How healthy is Cooper Cup? And can Jared Goff avoid mistakes? If they can do that, I think I give the Rams a very good shot to go into Green Bay and beat the Packers. Um, just that defense plays, they're so good. And Jalen Ramsey can shut down Devontae Adams. If that weather is okay, which I think it will be, unless that a snowstorm, I know it's, it's supposed to snow for us Thursday, Friday. I don't know if that'll clear the Green Bay area by then. So if snow's in the forecast, I give Green Bay a significant edge. But if the weather's okay, I, the Rams have a good shot in this one. I think the Packers win. I do Aaron too. Aaron Rodgers having a bounce back season. This, this ain't Seattle. This is Green Bay. And Green Bay's been pretty good this year. So I I think Green Bay are six and a half point favorites. 
they're one some injury away from from nothing. So unless this defense can 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 do something tremendous, I think, I think Aaron Rodgers wins this. I agree. I just, I'm, I'm more. I was saying all that more in uh, in hope uh, that the Rams can pull I, off I this. Hope, I, honestly, I hope the Packers win because I don't give a fuck about the Rams. Um, the Rams do nothing for me. The worst Super Bowl I've ever seen was the Rams Patriots a couple of years ago. Oh so yes, the worst yes. One, I, I, I literally quit watching it. Yep, it was so bad. It's so bad, so and bad. And it ended in a cycle. This was stupid. Yep. Awful. Saturday night, uh, Baltimore at Buffalo, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on NBC. It's potentially going to snow there. Lamar said he's never played in the snow, so that's uh, a factor here. Baltimore's offense is playing so good right now, and the Bills struggle against the run, so Lamar could be in for a massive day running the football. I'm going to lean towards Buffalo here. I don't say that with a great deal of confidence, though. I really don't. Baltimore seems like they go on these runs sometimes, and they don't win pretty. Uh, congratulations to my Tennessee squad for shitting the bets up fierce. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got off to a pretty good start. Uh, running back couldn't do a damn thing. So, uh, Would you have punted it on fourth and two from your opponent's 40, 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter like Vrabel did? No. Again, what, what's with these teams? This is your season. Your season is on the line. You can't pick up two yards. You're going to punt. Like, like, why? Jesus Christ. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's bad. That's bad. Like, now I'm fourth and two with the season on the line, and Baltimore goes down, and it's, it's game done. Oh, man. Maybe you want that one back. So, on this, I hope I can catch this game. I, uh, Tampa Bay Saints don't care. Rams Packers don't care. Uh, I care about the, again, like you said last week, the, the AFC is where it's at. Yep. I care about the AFC. I hope I can watch this game a little bit. Uh, Baltimore and the Bills. Um, then Sunday. That's a tough one. Yeah, Baltimore, yeah. Uh, Buffalo's a two and a half point favorite. It's tough. Can, can Wyoming make the AFC title game? Um, boy, this is a tough one. You're, uh, you're taking Buffalo, I guess. I, I am leaning Buffalo, yes, but I, I say that with very yeah. a, a lot of hesitation. Oh, yeah. Like that's this is the game out of all all four. This is the one I feel least yeah. confident about. I'll take Buffalo. Have you seen? Did you see the meme after um, uh, after Alabama won the national championship of Nick Saban? Uh, and he was holding up. I think it was NCAA 2K14 or something like that. It said, "When you've won it on, like, won so much that the game has become f- not fun, so you start a new mode w- using Wyoming." <laughs> and it just it made me think of Josh Allen. It's just so funny. Very good. I did not see that. I did not see that. I'll have to if I can if I find it, I'll uh, I'll share it with you on Facebook because it was very great. Um. Uh. Then Sunday. 3.05 p.m. Eastern, 2.05 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Cleveland at Kansas City. I will I will say this about this game. Kansas City did not look good against Atlanta. And when you rest your starters, some if, if they're completely healthy, you know, Tyreek Hill had a hamstring, so it's, it's wise to rest him. 
But when you go into a, uh, the postseason resting your starters, that doesn't always bode well. I don't know if Cleveland is the team that can knock Kansas City off, but I, I just... I would be. I'm. I'm hesitant in saying that Kansas City is that team that can make it to the Super Bowl again this year out of the AFC because of how they've looked down the stretch and then resting their starters. I'm taking the Cleveland Browns. Yes. Do it. Well, I feel like it was a year or two ago. Like somebody mentioned, like a a Buffalo Cleveland AFC title game. Or something. Do you, do you remember this at all? Or? Um. Did, did you say that? I don't know. I feel like it was mentioned somewhere a year or two ago. I'll see if I can find it. I was there an NFL preview or something. See if I can find it this week. Okay. I feel like Cleveland, Baltimore, Buffalo was mentioned as a potential AFC title game, and we're as close as we've ever been to this. So. In Kansas City, um, they, 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 they won it last year, but they were very lucky to win it last year. And similar to Seattle and Pittsburgh, they have not looked good for a couple of games. So, um, Pat Mahomes is amazing, but um, I like the Browns. I, I, I will watch this game. I will watch this game. Uh, I, I like the Browns to win this. Don't you think we... My, Sorry, go ahead. Look at my face. And it would be, oh my God, uh, it would be great to have you know, Browns Bills, two shitty teams forever. Mm-hmm. That'd be fun. Uh, how big would a you know Browns versus the old Browns be? That would be unbelievable. Yes. How great would that be? Yes. Brown, that's like a movie. Yeah. The, the old team plays the new team. That'd yep. be uh, tremendous. Mm-hmm. If that would happen, I'd, I'd have to take the Browns. Yep. And who, who gets yeah, the, the Browns? Baltimore would get home field. Yes. Yep. Yep. They are the five seed. The Browns are the six seed. I'm taking the Browns. I'm right. I'm 10 point underdog. So let's get the Browns. Awesome. That's awesome. And and again, I mentioned it last week and then you brought it up here just a minute ago about how the AFC is just so. It's just it's it's so much better. It's so it, it we care about the AFC playoffs a lot more than the NFC just because of the teams in there. I look at the teams in the AFC, and I don't despise any. I think Baltimore would be my least favorite. But I like them a little bit more just because of Lamar Jackson. We, we liked him in college a lot. We thought he could do some good stuff. But, but Cleveland's such a great story. Buffalo with what they're doing with Josh Allen. And I love Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes. And my father-in-law is a, a Chiefs fan, so of course I, I kind of have to, to cheer for them a little bit. But the teams in the AFC are so much more likable than in the NFC. It's just it. It's a night and day difference, really. Yeah, I mean, you got the Packers and the Saints, and I don't care about the Rams. I don't give a shit about Tampa Bay. Yeah. Then that Sunday afternoon game, uh, well, Sunday evening, I guess, six forty Eastern, five forty PM Central Time on Fox. Tampa Bay at New Orleans. Do the Saints complete the three-game sweep of the Bucks, or do you think the Bucks go in and beat New Orleans? Why is this a three-point game? Saints are a three-point favorite. Do you think it should be higher, or do you think the Bucks should be favored? The Saints have stopped the shit out of Tampa Bay both times this year. Yep. They haven't played a while. They haven't played a long time, and Drew Brees is not 100%. But they beat Tampa there 38-3 to a while ago. And they played in the season opener, which is a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And the game 
was a 34-23, but it was not. Wasn't that, that close? close yep. out. It was what? It was, it was 34-17. For it was 24-7 in the third quarter. So mm-hmm. the Saints should. I mean, the Saints should win this game. Uh, that that's a fishy line to me. Three points for for a team you've beaten by 11 and a team you beat by five touchdowns. I had Tampa a couple months ago. Yeah. So New Orleans by three. Well, Tampa Bay's playing uh, a lot better lately, especially on offense. Like they, they really seem to click. And like they didn't light the world on fire against Washington. I mean, that was a competitive game. Yep, it until was. Five minutes ago, that mm-hmm. game was not decided. You're right. So if you're letting Taylor Heineke do that, uh, what the hell is the Saints gonna do? Yep. No, you're you're right on that. Um, the I think one, the Saints win this one by a couple touchdowns. The one thing I will say is that. New Orleans didn't look great against the Bears last week. Like it, it was seven to three at halftime, and I know the Bears have a good defense, but come on, I mean you're New Orleans, you're playing at home. I get that the 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 Superdome didn't have a lot of fans in there, um, but the Saints are better. The Saints are better than beating the Bears twenty one to nine or twenty one to three before that last second touchdown by Jimmy Graham. Like you're, they're better than that. At least we would think they got to show that. Tampa Bay's playing the better football, I think, right now. But we'll see. It, I I'm leaning. I'm going with the Saints. But the, the Bucks are playing much better football than they did in November when these two teams last met. As long as the Rams don't screw this up, we're going to have two great quarterbacks in the NFC. So mm-hmm. I prefer to see Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we've seen Breeze and Rodgers before, so. I prefer Brady and Rodgers. That's probably the last time they have a chance for it. Never happened in the Super Bowl. So, um, whatever happens, I think the Packers win the NFC. But um, the old quarterback, yeah, this is the last, the last time we get to see him. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. So, uh, hopefully we have his... Uh, a, a good NFL divisional weekend here. Four games. Uh, they, they should be pretty good. Um, NHL has dropped the puck on their season. Uh, who do you like in the Stanley Cup? For- the uh, Penguins. I think I like the Penguins this year for change. Okay. Uh, I like them to take on Vegas. All right. Very good. Very good. Um, college basketball. Uh, South Dakota State's Series with Rhode Island or not Rhode Island? Just looking at the, the scores right now. Uh, their their match or their games with Omaha this weekend are canceled. The men's are the women are still on. The men, uh, the Omaha has some COVID concerns or something like that. That sucks. I wish the Summit League would be able to to swap some schedules so you could get these games in. But um, SDSU won last week against Western Illinois. Things seem to be going pretty good. Gonzaga's rolling. Baylor's rolling. Oklahoma State apparently is pretty good. Um, so they're a team to watch out for. Um, Texas continues to win. Alabama is playing some good basketball right now. Uh, what have you taken from the college basketball world? Michigan's really good. Yes. I th- how could I forget Michigan? Absolutely. Michigan's the best team in that conference. They... Steamrolled Wisconsin. We're sad to see that mm-hmm. the other night. Clemson is good. Mm-hmm. 
Clemson's nine and one, so that's good. So, and uh, what your your Creighton squad is from the top ten. So, yeah, the Gophers. I like that the Gophers are uh, competitive. They're ranked. So that's mm-hmm. nice to see. And yeah, Michigan. Um, yeah, Michigan seems to be a team to, to pay attention to. Yeah, that the Big Ten is so loaded. It's just it's ridiculous. I mean, this is. I mean, you don't have Duke up there, which is good. Uh, Carolina, even though I like them, they're not uh, relevant. You, you got some new teams. Yeah. You got mm-hmm. Texas, which I hate. You got Iowa. You know, you know Michigan is good every once in a while. Um, Creighton is up there. Tennessee's been good. Uh, Houston, Clemson, Illinois. You, you got some new teams, and uh, it, it, I think it's going to be an interesting tournament. I think there's going to mm-hmm. be a lot of you know, Vega and everybody else. I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are, are going to be in that mix. Yep. No, I, I I absolutely agree with that. Now I, I'm glad that you know with college football now in the rear view mirror, we can really focus on college basketball. That's what I think you know we'll be talking a lot about here over the upcoming weeks leading up into March on the podcast is looking at the college basketball landscape. It's it's certainly different here uh, this year, but um, yeah, I think it. I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I really am. It's it's going to be a different tournament. Of course, everything every, everyone's going to be playing in Indianapolis or the surrounding area. But um, it, it's certainly going to be interesting. It just seems like it's Gonzaga, Baylor, and everyone else. And I I don't trust Baylor yet. Now, I, I, what what can what can college football do to to make people care about this national title game? Because it seems like. It's a Monday, there was, what, 18 million people watched it, which is nice. 25 million watched it last year, and actually more people watched the playoff games than the actual championship game. So, wow. my, my, my idea would be to have the championship game as close to New Year's first as possible. Because mm-hmm. um, once it gets past that, like, it's NFL playoff time, and nobody cares. And it seems like, of all the sports, college football is the one that's a championship game it's like, oh yeah, that's that's coming up. That's tonight, right? Like, I would have it as as close to January first as possible, and have your uh, champion your your playoff game sometime in, in the middle of December. How about how about some new blood in there? It's the same teams over and over again. Expand the playoff. We've talked about that numerous times. Well, I don't. If even if you expand it, uh, you know, upsets do happen, but they do. I you know it's. it's it's still, it's it's, it's going to be Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. I mean, I, those have been the teams here for five years now, with, with Oklahoma sprinkled in. Um, you at least give Alabama. other teams yeah. a chance, though. And it's not just those four, or sometimes a, a fifth different team. Like Notre Dame gets sprinkled in every once in a while. I, I, I don't know what it would be, but... I feel like you would get the same teams in there as that that way. You would get Georgia. Georgia would be in there every year. Now, Oklahoma would continue to be in there every year. Uh, Texas A&M would be different. Uh, Cincinnati would be different. They would have gotten in this year if you take a top eight. No Florida. I feel like they'd be in there mm-hmm. quite a bit. But I feel like if you went to eight, again, my idea is 16, which isn't going to happen. But... I feel like at the end you'd still end up with Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. When it comes down to the Final Four, 
you're going to get probably at least two, if not three, of those teams. Do they need to start the season earlier, or do they need to shorten it a little bit in order to get, to get the national championship game in before? Like, you have your conference title games. Play your playoff game the week after, or two weeks after. Okay, and then the national championship. Yeah, you don't need a month. You got a month here between uh, the end of the season and your conference title games. Mm-hmm. Play a game in between then and shorten it up a bit. Don't go 10 days into January. Uh, if, you're, you know, if it's December 7th, play your uh, playoff game December 21st. Then play your uh, championship game January 1st or 2nd or 3rd, whatever that first weekend of the year is. So, because you have to play it. Uh, before the NFL playoffs start, because they've got Saturday games now, and that's never going away. Mm-hmm. In the past, you maybe could have gotten past a Saturday night uh, game during the playoffs, but now since they have three games every night, you can't do that anymore. So finish your college football season before the NFL playoffs and play your title game uh, the weekend of January 1st or as close as possible uh, to January 1st. Whatever... The day is before the end of the NFL season. Have your championship game. That Saturday that night. Would that, huh? be, would that be better to do the Saturday night before week 17? Yes, that's what I say. Whatever week 17 is, play it the, the day before. And fuck whatever NFL Network game is on Saturday between the Jets and the Bills, whatever. Well, there, there um, wouldn't be any week. They won't, there wouldn't be any games on a Saturday in week 17. All the games are played on Sunday. Okay. So okay. the, that, that's not an issue. Play, you know, screw these NFL Saturday games and get this done a little earlier. I'm fine with that. I'm, yep. I think that's. I'm, I'm totally in agreement with that. There. And I'm, I'm looking at the final four here <laughs> stacking for the football season. Mm-hmm. Coastal Carolina finished 14th. Louisiana was 15. Liberty was 17. Ball State, San Jose State, Buffalo were your 23, 24, 25. So. You, you're taking umbrage with I that. Think, I think Liberty and Coastal Carolina are a bit too high for me. Mm-hmm. So, Liberty at 17. I don't, I don't believe so. Yeah, that's, that seems a little high for me as well. Who would have waited a second if Texas played Liberty? Do you think Texas could beat Liberty? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Oh, out of ten times, I would say uh, at least nine. Texas finished nineteenth. Liberty finished seventeenth. Who Texas beat? Who Texas beat? Uh, who they beat in the bowl game? Colorado. Alamo Bowl, Colorado. Yeah. So there's that. It doesn't make much sense. It really People doesn't. Like him, I, I, I big of a big of a supporter of Coastal Carolina. Uh, do we need, have any other sports that we need to get to? There's a big, uh, big basketball trade today. There was. James Harden is uh, no longer with the Rockets. A lot of picks coming Houston's way. He's going to the Nets. I, I go to ESPN.com and that's their lead story. <laughs> the winners and losers in this trade. And you know, that pisses me off. Oh, yes, I know it does. This trade that happened uh, four hours ago. Yes, tell me who won this trade. 
with draft picks that are five years in the future. Please tell me who won that fucking trade. Go to hell. <laughs> Pacers involved in this trade. Or Cleveland was involved in this trade. Yep. So we'll see how this goes. Um, I don't think there's enough basketballs in Brooklyn to go around between Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. Like you, like you, ideally, like you would play one of them, like off the bench or something. Say, all right, you're playing. Uh, you're not playing. They're gonna play all three at once. But I would say, all right, two of you play at once, and then when you come out. I put in uh, James Harden or Kyrie Irving or somebody to come off the bench, and so you don't lose anything. And Kyrie Irving seems to be MIA at this moment. Who the hell knows when he's ever gonna play? So uh, at this t- at this point, I'd tell him to take a hike and go walk in the ocean. Like Boston, that didn't work, and we'll see what happens with Brooklyn. But I don't know. Houston got rid of him, so that's good. They got Victor Oladipo, who's uh, pretty good. And uh, Brooklyn did this once before, gave away their entire draft for five years to the Celtics for Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. At least this time, uh, you have somebody a little younger, mm-hmm. somewhat prime. So, um, yeah, uh, unfortunate for Houston. But, uh, yeah, Brooklyn, we, we will see how this goes. Uh, Oklahoma City reunited almost, but um, it, it's maybe not a good thing. But uh, it'll, it'll at least be interesting. At least it, uh, it, it, it does interest me. So makes the East it, it makes the East more interesting and more competitive, certainly. Certainly. Yeah, it makes, it makes the, the Nets the, the overwhelming favorite at the moment. Yeah. Anything? Any other sports things we need to get to before the uh, the other story? Mm, not really. No. Okay. Um, yeah. So we we know what happened last week in DC, and I you don't need me to tell you. I mean, how I feel about these people that are going around. And again, you know what? I don't have to agree with the people even going there for the protests. But that's still their right to protest. It's it's fine. But when you go and attack democracy, it's it's a whole nother thing. Um, and of course, I get in a spat on Facebook because there are people that just aren't the smartest when it comes. I, 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 I don't need smart. They're very passionate about their side. But yet can't admit the wrong in this, and that's the that's the troubling part to me, is that you can't admit that what's going on is a grave mistake going on here. So I've said my piece plenty on this in Facebook. I will let you take the floor with what you what you have to say. It was a terrorist attack. Uh, people in our own country on the Capitol trying to overthrow an election that didn't need to be overthrown. That was a fair election. And again, it's all about misinformation and lying. So this, uh, I believe this, this is, I believe this was the culmination of everything. I don't think, I don't think anything's going to happen here in the next week or two with the inauguration next week. I'm sure there'll be protests in Washington, but I don't think it'll be at the scale of this and how they got inside the Capitol is, is incredible. And they're investigating that and, likely that there were police officers and others that 
precipitated this group of folks into the Capitol. The book needs to be thrown at every single one that committed a crime. Give them the maximum so, sentence. Maximum sentence. Five people died. A couple police officers. Lady got shot. A patriot. She was a patriot, Krenz. Yeah, I don't feel sorry for the way they got shot or anybody. The police officers, that's unfortunate. Anybody that was there that got hurt, I don't feel sorry for them at all. Because um, they shouldn't have been there. And like this was the culmination of everything that's happened for the past five years. All of the lies... And it's unfortunate that so many people believe uh, what he says. Um, they're lies. They're obviously, obviously lies. And um, there's, there's people I know, people I like, people who are friends of mine that say this stuff. And I'm sure you know people as well that mm-hmm. some people that I'm surprised is like, really? Like you, you, you believe in this or you, you buy this and. And again, I'll never understand. I just watched the thing on PBS last night about Alex Jones. <sighs> you know, Alex, you know, yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's about him and, and Infowars uh, brother mm-hmm. that you like so much. Uh, Rob Stone, what the hell's his name? Uh, Rob Stone, or whatever the fuck his name is. Oh, Roger Stone? Roger Stone, yeah. And really, Alex Jones, like, I didn't know this, like, he was in, like, in Austin, Texas back in the 90s, like, on cable access local TV doing this stuff. And he's just continued to do it throughout the years. And he was there on last last week doing this stuff. And it's just, I, I don't know what to say anymore because it's obvious to you and me that these are lies and it's fake. But so many people believe him. I don't know why they do. And you, and you, and you talk sense to him and you say, no, that's, election wasn't rigged, it was fair, the votes were counted, and I don't know why. I don't know why people continue to, to believe Trump. I don't know. I don't know what that is. And people had to die because of it, and he was impeached again today, and uh, the Senate will take it up here in the next, uh, probably, I don't know, by the end of the month sometime, and they need 17 Republicans to vote on that for a conviction. They're not going to get close to that. So uh, the, the big thing is for him not to be able to run for president again. And impeachment does that, but the Senate ain't going to vote. They're not going to pass that, so he'll be able to run again in four years, which is unfortunate. So they had, what, 10? 10, 10 Republicans voted for impeachment today. That's 5%, which is great. Uh, I'm sure Mitt Romney will vote. I'm sure there'll be three or four Republican senators mm-hmm. that might vote on it. There, there won't be 17. So we're not going to get, I don't think, even close to impeachment, which is unfortunate. But there, there's consequences for your actions, and I don't know what those consequences are yet. Maybe we'll find out here in the coming years, once he's out of office, what those consequences are for these last five, four or five years. Um, I, I, I wondered what a, what a Trump presidency would look like, and I didn't think I'd see it. But we saw it. There's a week to go. And he continues to one-up himself somehow. He's not coronavirus off the front page. And, like, it was shocking when 1,000 people a day were dying. Well, now we're up to 4,200 a day dying, and we're going to pass 400,000 here by the end of the month. And he is somehow just 
knocked that off the front page. And it was it was way worse. The last four years were way worse than like anybody could have imagined. And we thought it'd be pretty bad to begin with. Mm-hmm. Somehow it was worse with Russia and the pandemic and the way people were treated mm-hmm. and minorities. And the thing at the Capitol was just the last, that was the last thing. And yep. that was terrible. It, it was. It was a. It was an attack on our democracy. Um, I gotta. I gotta tell you, Krenz, I'm. I'm very nervous for America here coming up, uh, because I see these stories about like Parler and the the guy who invented the internet wants to create a new internet. Um, I think it, it's just gonna be a further divide between truth and. The, the people in in some ways it feels like we're on the verge of a civil war between the people who are believing all of these conspiracy theories and feeding into it and and all this stuff like the people who it, I, I I don't understand why just because one person gets their Twitter account blocked I guess that there were a few others as well. For, for incendiary like comment about you know you're inciting violence and stuff and like and there are threats being made that's why an account is taken down it's not an attack on your first amendment rights it's not an attack on free speech it's about it's not about who's saying it it's about what they're saying it's about the message and for all these people then to say oh I'm done with with Twitter and Facebook and you know like this this is this and Instagram this is garbage and I'm gonna go on parlor where I can you know spout all these death threats and everything and oh yeah well parlors management says that well we can have a like we're free speech but we aren't policing anyone like if there are people if there are reports or stuff you know we'll, we'll dock pers- like points from them and and what they have a point system or something, they're like they'll they'll temporarily lock the account. Well, good job. Like if you're you're essentially giving these extremists a platform to be able to say whatever the hell they want without any consequence. That is what the big tech is doing. I don't feel to me, I don't feel like big tech is coming after me. Yet, I hope that I'm not wrong when I say this, that I, I, I think that that's heavily overblown. People are making a big deal of it because they locked and they, they, they locked the president's Twitter account because he said some bad shit that started, that led to violence. Just because they did that, and then you have Devin Nunez, the, the guy from California who said, Republicans don't have any way to communicate. No, that's not it at all you are choosing Where did he, say that at? he said it on fox news oh so he was on tv yeah when he said it on a nationally broadcast television network mm-hmm. in front of millions of people when he said republicans can't are are, are shuttered there was one uh republican woman today uh, representative who got up with a mask that said from georgia uh, that that QAnon like, supporter she's a piece of work what, what, what did it say censored censured censored 
Yep. As she is in front of a microphone in the front of the U.S. House on national television saying whatever the hell she wants. That is censorship. It doesn't make any sense what these people say. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. It... It's just, so, like, you can say that, but you are choosing to go off of Twitter and Facebook. If you don't want, if you don't want your stuff blocked, then don't say anything stupid. Like, don't, don't give, don't give anyone a reason to take it away. Don't spread lies. Don't, don't be spreading this misinformation and stuff going on. So, I don't feel bad that Parler's taking down, and I hope it takes a long time for them to get going. I don't want this new internet or whatever to to come about and stuff. I don't like it's just you're choosing to go off of Facebook and Twitter just because they made one st- statement and it was a very loud statement about someone who's inciting violence who tried to wreck dem- took a shot at democracy and overthrowing a democratic process. To me, people are dumb. That's it, all it is. Yeah, people it, are stupid, and that's why I am. I I just I fear for this country. I fear for what is ahead. Yes, it's great that that for those of us that have seen this last these last four years and didn't like what we saw. It's great that the guy we voted for, Biden is in their house and I hope that he has that ability to unite the country. I really do. Um, and I think he can, but it's going to take everyone coming together. It's good. It's going to be give and take on both sides. It can't be all this just one can't be one sided nonsense. And, but then again, look what we've had last week. I don't know. I like, I'm just, I'm, I'm scrambling right now. Um, it, it, I'm, I'm concerned, but we'll, we'll see what happens. It, to me, though, this this isn't the way that I'm hoping or that I was hoping it would go. Uh, I certainly didn't foresee last week's events happening at all, but now the FBI is concerned about 50 uh, protests or riots that are 50 at all 50 state capitals. There's going to be protests and stuff ahead of Inauguration Day. The the people are going to D.C. again, you know, right before then. That's what they say. We'll see if it happens or not. Um, I think the army or the you know the net the, the National Guard they're going to be ready to take out whoever needs. And and quite frankly, those people who are trying to to overthrow the government and stuff they aren't Americans. To me, it's just it, no. it's it's anti-American. So you know, if people want to come at me for saying like oh though the people like how can you say they're not americans that are you okay with what happened at george floyd like them burning down stuff no i wasn't okay with rioting or the the burning of buildings and stuff during the george floyd protests in may and in june i was steadfast against it you want to peacefully protest that's fine but then when you take it up another notch and you're attacking the capitol building i just it's, it's just ridiculous, and it's so sad where we're at as a country. And I don't know if, if there's a way to fully unite. Like, I don't think this impeachment deal helps at all. Um, Can't hurt because there needs to be consequences. Well, yes, 
Yes, there does. I just, unfortunately, there aren't enough people that agree with that. The president led a bunch of terrorists to the Capitol to to kill people. Mm-hmm. And ten Republicans today decided that was enough for impeachment. The other hundred and eighty said no. That wasn't enough. People literally with zip ties. What do you do with a zip tie? What do you do with these constraints? You tie people up. Yep. You take them hostage. Yep. Hang Mike Pence. Hang Mike Pence. How, how is that okay? It's not. I wonder what they wanted to do, Stack, and it's so hard to decipher their code language. What does hang Mike Pence mean? Can what? you explain that to me? I believe that means we would like to kill the vice president. Yep. I believe is what Especially that means. Especially with the gallow that they had made and the noose. So these people, murderers, going to intentionally kill somebody. And a few people did die last week. So, there's a lot of stupid people, there's a lot of gullible people, there's a lot of dumb people out there that, for whatever reason, are being lied to, being taken advantage of, and they can't see that. You and me can, as clear as day, I don't know why they can't. After years and years and years, I don't know why they believe one guy who, nearly everything out of his mouth is a lie. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, Republicans could have stopped this at some point, but apparently they're too afraid. And apparently they're afraid of these mobs. And if it's the it's the, the, the party in power that could stop this, Republicans went to Richard Nixon and said, you're done. Either resign or we're going to get rid of you. So he resigned. Or else they were going to vote him out. Mm-hmm. And that never happened with Trump. Nobody went up to him and said, knock it off, you're done. Or leave. Nobody's done that. And he's been here for a long, long time. And usually when a president leaves office, you don't hear about him for a while. You didn't hear from Obama for a few years. You haven't heard from George W. Bush in a long time. Mm-hmm. Usually the outgoing president is pretty quiet and he goes away. We'll see what happens with this one. Hopefully this one uh, goes to jail. Something happens. I don't count on that happening. You. Something has to happen to him. Because he is the main culprit of this. And he's not going away. And things are going to get worse before they get better. And this this is who we are. People say this is not who we are. Well, at the moment, this is who we are. And it's not very good. Nope. It went by very quick. All it took a second for the democracy to go down was four years. Our, our standing in the world as the clear-cut number one... That's not the case anymore. We can't figure out this the coronavirus. Uh, this is something that we've seen in other countries. Uh, the party that loses uh, in mobs, this is what we see in other countries. Mm-hmm. They don't get their way. Yep. So our standing in the world, it goes by very quick. It takes hundreds of years to build up. It can go by in a couple of years, and it, and it can't be over with. So that, that's where we are right now, and we'll see. We'll see where we're at here in a year. Yep, yep. And hopefully, we're in a better place. So this and, is- I, and I know I know you write stories and you tweet stuff and your Facebook and your Twitter and you do all this. And like I, I haven't done this yet, but like there needs to be mental health. But these people don't want that. But that's really what it comes down to. 
Like, people need mental health. And I don't know how they get that or what they do. And they're not, obviously, these people don't think that they're wrong, so they're not going to get the help that they need. Mm -hmm. But for people to believe this, there has to be something wrong in their brain, and they need, need help mentally to get right or to understand that this is wrong, that what the things that you believe are not right. I was talking to a coach today doing doing an interview. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about something not related to this, but it could be related to this. Uh, and, um, and and his point was, people lose all the time. This coach, he's been coaching for a long time. He's Next year, if he coaches next year, he'll be at 600 wins. He's a girls basketball coach in the state. Okay. So I asked him, well, he's been coaching for 35 years almost, and next year if he coaches, he'll have 600 wins. I'm like, is that important to you? What does that mean to you? You've been around a long time, 600 wins. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. And he started talking, and he got around to saying, you know, he, he remembers the losses a lot more than the wins, and he remembers the players, and, like, he doesn't really care about the wins. It's all about the game, and it's all about teaching life lessons with sports at a high school level. And it's about losing and how you react to when you lose. I wish I, I'm going to find this and probably type this out and maybe share it. Because it was so good, I thought, as he was saying this. It's all about, because everybody loses. You mm-hmm. lose, I lose, we lose money, we lose family members, friends to death, or we lose friends because we don't want to be friends with them anymore. Uh, we lose relationships, we lose jobs, we're bad at our jobs, we're bad at this. We lose a lot in our life. Mm-hmm. Everybody does. And it's how you react to that that kind of builds up your character. It's like, how do you react? Do you go insane when you lose, when you don't get your way like a child? Or are you mature and, all right, I lost this one. Let's concentrate on the next one, whether that's a stupid game we play or anything in life. So that's what he was getting at. And that goes back to Trump, who refuses to admit loss in anything. Even when he loses <clears throat> terribly, not only did he didn't lose, he won. He won. He won by a landslide in this election, even though he lost by quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So it all goes back to how you react when you lose. And Trump has acted terribly when we has lo- when he has lost over and over again. And by a lot of measures, he's been the worst president. I think a lot of people would say he's been the worst president <clears throat> we've ever had. Uh, but his supporters think he's the best. And I, there's a big, big contrast to being the best and being the worst. But that's, that's what a lot of people think. A lot of people like me think he's the worst. Mm-hmm. A lot of other people think he's the best. And both of those can't be true. Probably one of the two are true. Uh, because if a lot of people think you're the best, a lot of people think you're the worst, you probably weren't in the middle somewhere. You're probably one of the two extremes. And I think he was the worst president we've ever had. But it's all about how you deal with losing. And uh, he did not deal with it very well. And his supporters did not deal with it very well. And that's why people died last week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, anything else that we need to get to here? Well, yeah, who knows what's going to happen next week. Um, 
for me, the, the Mitchell games, the Mitchell boys are 7-0, and and they should win more games this year than they did the last five years combined. Holy cow, that's great. So they have dramatically, they won seven games last year, and the four <clears throat> games before, four years before that, they probably won no more than five or six. So they should win at least 13, 15, 17 games this year. Is so it a senior, senior-laden team, or is there is there a reason for the turnaround? Yeah, they've got Zane Alm, who's a 6'10 kid going to USF. He's been excellent this year. San Francisco? Good for him. Huh? San Francisco? That's great. Just kidding. I know. Yeah, great. great. I don't know how they got him. I don't know how they got him way out here, but they did. Good job, Dons. And then uh, Caden Hinker, who might be a Division One guy. We'll see where he goes. Those have been their top two guys. So, got a couple guys like that at 6'10 and 6'6. They make a big difference. So they're, they're a fun team to watch, and they're 7-0. They got a couple of tough games uh, here. Um, their, their next two are pretty tough, but then after that, they've got about five or six easy ones. So if they could somehow get past these two, they should be 15-0 and or so, 14-0. and Wow. Maybe they'll be, you know, 13-1, and 12-2. We'll see what happens this next week, but they're good. Girls are pretty good. They're 5-2. and two. They should win uh, tomorrow, they think, on Pierre. I would put it at six and two with a with a favorable schedule, or I could see them being ten and two here in a couple of weeks. So uh, the girls' tournament is, is at the Pentagon. Boys' tournament is out in Rapid City one week later. So it's still two months away, but it's exciting to kind of look uh, look in the future and think that you know, it would be a big disappointment here if both of those teams did not make the state tournament. I know the boys haven't made it in uh, nine years. And the tele- and the, the game casts are going good with Marcus. Yeah, they're going good. We were up in here on Saturday night for that doubleheader, so that was fun. And yeah, we have uh, games at home. Got Thursday night and uh, Friday night. We have games here, so that's been going well. And uh, yeah, we're kind of right in the middle of the high school basketball. Very good. Well, continued success uh, calling the games and continu- continued success to those teams. Uh, and uh, yeah, hopefully they can make the. The, the state tournament. That would be something pretty cool. Um, two months from now. Who knows what's going to happen two months from now. That's so true. Two mu- It's two months from today that the sports world stopped. Or almost two months. Exactly. Two months, yeah. We'll, we'll have to visit that one at, what was it, the... Uh, March 12th. March 12th? Yep. March 12th, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, it's a day that we'll forever uh, remember. It's been a year... It's like it's been a long year. It's like it's been a long. So yeah, still have two months to go. Mm-hmm. At this point, a year ago, everything was fine. At this point, a year ago, things were normal. Mm-hmm. So, and then what happened two months later? Things were not normal. So we did we did not expect that to happen. No, no, we did not. No, we did not. Well, I hope you have a great rest of your week. Uh, hopefully, the the wind and the snow don't uh, yeah hurt you too much and. Um, yeah, we'll see what this next week brings, both uh, on and off the field and court, and and uh, in the in the rest of the world. It should be interesting for sure. Yeah, intro to snow apparently uh, tomorrow is fifty mile hour wind. So I think they call that a blizzard. They're not calling it a blizzard because I don't think we're expected to get a whole lot of snow. But uh, the weather's not going to be good. It's been forty five degrees the last couple of days, but tomorrow. Uh, will, will not be a good. No, it, it, it won't. I don't think our winds are supposed to be that high here, but uh, but, we'll, but but we'll see. We'll see. So we'll see. You know, 
school closures, cancellations. I don't know what they're going to do uh, with wind and visibility, but uh, yeah, it's not only that, it's the wind tomorrow. It's all about the wind. Mm-hmm. That it is. All right, my friend. Uh, thanks as always, and then we'll chat next week. All right, we'll see you later. Travis Crins joining me here on the Sports Block Podcast. As always, appreciate his time and effort. Uh, and yeah, we covered a lot of stuff. We talked. To, we got the quarterback stuff in. We talked to NFL playoffs, national championship. Uh, congrats to Alabama again. Uh, we'll be t- talking more about that here momentarily. Here when I bring Charlie Hildebrand on. Um, and yeah, of course, the events that happened last week. It's just nothing. El- no- nothing else to say at this point. Um, you can always find this podcast available on podcast.com. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Travis Crins at Travis Crins, and then uh, Facebook Nathan Stacken. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. Uh, we have a lot more to get to here. This uh, we had a long podcast last weekend. It's going to be a long podcast this weekend or this week as well, uh, because coming up we have Charlie Hildebrand uh, talking college football, recapping the national championship, and then Marcus Traxler. The resident hockey expert. Kind enough to join me to preview the 2021 NHL regular season. That's all coming up next here on the Sports Block Podcast, now on available on podcast.com. Continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, the national championship in college football is over, and who better to break that down? Who better to break that down with than my good friend from the Northwest Iowa Review, Charlie Hildebrand. Charlie, how are you? I'm good. Not as good as uh, Nick Saban was for those seven seconds. He's fine. That's once every year when they win the national title, but I am good. That's good. That's good. Uh, Yeah. What's this now? Number six for Nick Saban? Uh, Six in Alabama, seven total, including the one at LSU in 2003. And 18 overall for Alabama. Um, it. I think well, Devon. Side note: eighteen. Yeah. We have to put an asterisk next to because they didn't start doing polls until nineteen thirty six. So any any national title people claim before nineteen thirty six were some historian in years later were like, oh, actually, I think this team won the national title night that they won. Don't count. But even in the primitive days of like nineteen thirty eight. They were like, hey, let's vote on who thinks the best team in the country, and that's how they decided it. Gotcha. And before that, it was basically schools just saying, oh, we're the national champions. They were like, well, there's nothing we can do about it. They want to say that. Fair enough. Um, I think Devontae Smith is still uh, running down the field uncontested after a catch from Mac Jones. I mean, he just lit it up against Ohio State, which I don't... Only a half. Yeah, it's just... I mean, what he's doing is what he did in that game. Simply remarkable. I mean, I mean, truly shows that he was deserving to win the Heisman Trophy. Um, maybe he's played his way into a top three pick in the upcoming NFL draft. Uh, size, I think, will be about the only thing that will uh, be a maybe a negative point against him. But I came in thinking, you know, that you know this Ohio State secondary. That was the weak spot on their defense, especially, and uh, Alabama sure exploited that. They did. Also, it's worth noting that really what Ohio State's weak spot is was playing a strange defense that consistently got 
uh, Devontae Smith matched up on linebackers. Yeah, that's probably not a wise decision. definitely a weak spot when they're like, hey, let's have tough Borland. He's the only linebacker for Ohio State. I specifically remember his name. I know they've got other ones that are also. (laughs) And they're good players. I'm not taking anything you can probably away from them. But it's pretty rare a, a receiver wins a Heisman Trophy. And if a receiver is good enough that he literally does win the Heisman Trophy, someone who's 40 pounds heavier and, well, not slow, but significantly slower and less quick than he is, probably is not going to do a good job covering that. No. And they found a way to, I mean, that's the, like, this is the high level, like, when you see, like, the perfect, the perfect movie or, like, the perfect meal you have mm-hmm. where everything's working together. Yep. Like, that's basically what Alabama's offense was this year. It all specifically in this game. It was the talent of Ohio State with everybody, but certainly Smith played a large role in it, along with the elite level of coaching they had every year. Mm-hmm. Along with getting Ohio State in a weird game plan where they were just like, oh, you guys aren't ready for what we're going to do. And when you combine those three together, when you're just probably the talented, the most talented team to start with every year anyways, it's just a recipe for disaster for the other team. If you're an Alabama fan, it's great. Yeah. And also, I should begrudgingly say that, like, I don't like Alabama. I mean, I don't hate them to the degree I used to. Mm-hmm. I certainly want them to lose most games because it makes things more interesting. And it pains me to say this, but, like, they were fun to watch on offenses. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, in years past, especially, like, the early Nick Saban at, Al- or at Alabama days where they were, you know, three yards and a clock of dust and, like, yes, we can win 13-9 to nine every game that we want. We don't care. We'll beat you 20-6 to six in the biggest blowout 14-point win ever. Mm-hmm. It is more fun to watch what they do on offense now. The downside is it's usually not that much fun in, you know, the fourth quarter. Because it's like, oh, well, this game's over and their backups are in. It's a blowout. Even against what probably was the second best team in the country, who they easily dispatched out. Yep. I mean, I mean, last year they had Henry Ruggs the third, and they had Jerry Judy, and I can't. Re- was their offense or their running back was still Najee Harris, if I recall correctly? Not, there was another guy also. I'm blanking yep. on what his name yep. was, but I think he was more of a. It wasn't it Josh was a Jacobs last year. Where this year it was. I mean, it's still to a degree a committee, but much more air up this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and their offense didn't even didn't even play nearly, and they had Tua last year and it just seemed like Mac Jones and Devontae Smith and Najee Harris were just on a whole nother level this year compared to what we had seen in previous years and that was with really good talent around him I mean it it's it's like you're it's like you're going from 1a to 1b which isn't saying much I mean it's it's no knock against the other guys but boy they, they were just electric uh, we talked about this last time I think a large part of it in addition you know, the, the three reasons, or two of the three reasons that, you know, Al, two of, I shouldn't say two of three, two of the many, many reasons Alabama's great is because they recruit the best players and they've got the best head coach. Mm-hmm. Who's great at getting other coaches? When you have those two things, you're going to be really good. There are a lot of other reasons they are also good, and specifically this year, we talked about last time that since not only did they not win the national title last year, last year they didn't make the national title game. They didn't even make the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. Didn't even make the conference title game in the SEC last year. 
And when you get teams that have all those other things going for them and add like, oh, now we're super motivated. Like, not the regular, we're great and fantastic and are going to be really good each year. But like the next level, like, no, you know, we know that it's June right now and we're grinding. And I guess, you know, for this year, or this last year, but for this season because of COVID, they were probably doing that all on their own in apartments or their parents' house or wherever they went. And we're just like, no, we're not letting this happen again. We're going to win the national title. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the score of every game they played, but basically outside of the game against Florida and the SEC title game, I think they just destroyed like everybody else they play, unless I'm forgetting one. Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now here, but I think you're right. And yeah, I should say, like, like score-wise, I don't think I'd say they destroyed Notre Dame. I think they won by like 17 or 20. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was never close. I mean, if you watched it like we did, you were like, well, I mean, it's not as bad as we thought it would be. But clearly, Alabama's in complete control. Yeah, so let's go through. uh, So first game of the season at Missouri, they win 38-19. Then they beat Texas A&M 52-24, same score that they won the national championship by. Uh, Also, the Texas A&M team that finished ranked like fifth or sixth. Yes, yep. Uh, that was, I think that was A&M's only loss. Only. It was. It was. Then they beat Ole Miss by 15. That was 63-48 in the game that no one, I think, punted. Or at least Alabama didn't. They just rolled them offensively. You know, for a long stretch, they couldn't stop Ole Miss on off their stop Ole Miss's offense. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter because they were just like, you can do whatever you want. Unless you start converting successfully or covering onside kicks, we're going to win this game. Right. Then they beat Georgia by 17. Uh, that game was close in into the second half, and then Alabama pulled away. They crushed Tennessee by 31. They shut out Ole, or they shut out Mississippi State 41 to nothing. They beat Kentucky by 60. They beat Auburn by 29. Uh, LSU by 38. Uh, Arkansas by 49. So yeah, the the Florida game was their by far their closest one. It was that and Ole Miss and Missouri. Those are your three closest games that they had all year outside of Notre Dame. That's yeah, crazy. I mean, they're going to be tough to rank, like, historically compared to other years just because it was such a weird year this year. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say they're the best team ever. Because even though they're really good, it's tough to know just how other things would have shook out. Right. To some degree, if it would have been a normal year, I think Alabama still would have won the title. I think their offense is about as scary as we've seen before. Again, I don't know. Like, we, we could get into a discussion. I don't know if we want to do this or not. Like, just with offense, that the rules have changed so much just from 20 years ago, stacking when mm-hmm. we were in <clears throat> middle school and early high school. Yep. That the numbers are inflated to a degree, and that's not to knock any of the offenses now. It's just that if, if games had the same rules they did 20 years ago, like RPOs wouldn't work the same way because it's like, oh, that thing you ran where you threw it to the receiver. Like, yeah, there's no helmet to helmet contact or defenseless receiver, and we murdered three of your receivers. Now you're out. You're out. All three of those guys. Now. Well, so we would change things. But with that said, I think this Alabama team would still be fantastic on offense. 20, 30, 50 years ago, whatever rules you play by, you can play prison rules against the nastiest guys on the planet. And they would be like, yeah, that's fine. We're still probably going to win this game. Well, let me ask you this. Would you would you take this Alabama offense 
over LSU's offense from a year ago or Clemson's even two years ago. I would take this Alabama offense probably over Trevor Lawrence and Clemson. I can't say that for certain with what Joe Burrow did last year and with all the weapons that LSU had. I think I might take LSU's offense last year over Alabama's this year. I would take Alabama, like you said, I would definitely take Alabama's offense this year over the Clemson one from two years ago. The LSU one last year is really tricky. I've heard people say this, and so, I mean, I didn't come up with this on my own, but I agree with this. You know, I would love to be able to have, like, a magic time machine to have LSU from last year play Alabama from this year on a neutral site just to see how that would shake out. Mm -hmm. Um, Offensively, certainly... I, a quarterback, I like LSU from 2019. I want Joe Burrow. I think I would want LSU's receivers over Alabama's receivers. Yep. But I'm pretty sure I would take Alabama's offensive line and Alabama's running backs. Yep. So, I, I mean, I think it's in some ways that's sort of a wash. But also, I do, you know, with the quarterback, I would still love. I'd probably go LSU just because I'd rather have Joe Burrow, but. I mean, when we're talking about nitpicky stuff like that there, that shows how good they are that LSU set all those records and broke a bunch of records last year. Yep. And uh, obviously it's different this year. You know, Alabama didn't play as many games. You play two fewer games. You're not going to have as many of some stats if you just go gross total instead of average per game. But if I remember right, I think Alabama set the record offensively. I think they said last year during the game, the national title game. They set the SEC record for points per game in a season, mm-hmm. which says something. Yep. I mean, regardless of whether the SEC says good on defense now compared to other years as a relevant, when you're setting when you're setting conference records for average anything per game that for a conference that's been around for I don't know 70, 80, 90 years, like, it's like oh, obviously they were really getting that thing this year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, had Trey Sermon been able to play in this game after the first drive when he had to leave with the injury, I believe it was a neck or a clavicle injury or shoulder, uh, had he been able to play the entire game, would the, would the outcome have changed much? I don't think it would have. I mean, maybe Ohio State gets another touchdown. If in a perfect world, maybe they get another touchdown and they do something clockwise where they eliminate one of Alabama's scores at the end of the first half. But even then, I mean, I, I, I don't think it changes the result at all. I don't think Alabama sweats the game. I mean, Master Teague came in and still ran well, too. I mean, I think Sermon is better than Master Teague. I don't think he's so much better that, you know, I, I don't think he's 21 points better. Nope, I, I would agree. I just, you know, in seeing, cause, I mean, Sermon's the reason why Ohio State beat Northwestern in the Big Ten championship game. I mean, he, and he plays a significant role in their win I, over Clemson. You're, I, you're right. I'm not disputing what you yep. said, but I, yep. would, I would put an asterisk next to that and say, Ohio State's running game. I don't think just Sermon was the only guy that could have. Right. No, no. I think if he, I don't know if Teague would have had as many yards or as many, you know, big runs. I think they would have still won. Unless Teague has fumble problems, I don't know about it. If I, you know, I know I think I've seen Ohio State play like four teams this season. Mm-hmm. Or five, but I, I think they would have still won without Sermon. I mean, again, it may have been a score closer without him against Northwestern, but 
but certainly Alabama was good. And not just Serbian, you know, I know Ohio State was out that defensive tackle and without some other guys too. I mean, they're both their, their top two kickers. You give them all those guys, and I, don't, I think they're still worth a fight by three touchdowns. Yeah, and, and that's a good point too. I mean, how much of this COVID issues that that Ohio State was dealing with, how much do you think that played a role in the game? A little bit. I mean, maybe a touchdown, maybe 10 points, but not enough that it changes the outcome. I mean, for Ohio State to win this game, I think you need to be like, hey, guess what, Ohio State? We're giving you Chris Gamble from 2002. We're giving you all those offensive linemen from 2014 when you won the national title. And we're giving you, you know, Maurice Claret? Defensive lineman that, you know, won trophies for you. Mm-hmm. And we're giving you A.J. Hogg. And if you do that, then it's like, oh, yeah, then maybe Ohio State wins. But outside of that, I don't think anyone they had this year was going to do. I don't know if you would have given Ohio State a choice of also adding players they had on last year's roster and they would have beat Alabama this year. I think it was just, you know, every every few years, there's just a team that's just better than everyone else. I think that was Alabama this year. And I think this Alabama win, was des- the this national championship was deserved and it was justified uh, because they did play a full slate of games this year. Ohio State only played seven compared to Alabama's 12. So I will take... Um, and, and I didn't want Ohio State to win anyway just because of everything that was going on with the Big Ten. But it just seems like Alabama was a deserving champion given all that they've gone through and the rest of the college football world has had to deal with regarding COVID. It just seems like Alabama was the right choice, the right champion this year. Yeah, I mean, they beat everybody else. Why would we have ever thought that they couldn't beat COVID also? I mean, of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sorry, I had to get the, the dog needed to come in. Uh, he has some thoughts on Alabama, don't you, Brophy? No? I don't know. Okay, fine. Never mind. Um, so, as we look back on this season, what, what, what's your biggest takeaway from the season? Is it just that the season got completed? That's a good question. Um, I think it's it's how strange COVID changed things, where there were some teams that basically played close to an entire slate of games and others that played very, very few. And in addition to that, just how good Alabama was, especially on offense. I mean, I think it's probably going to get brought up that, you know, whenever six years from now, 10, 20... I don't know how long it's going to be until another receiver wins the Heisman, mm-hmm. but we're going to start having the, oh, there hasn't been a Heisman Trophy winner and receiver since Devontae Smith in 2020. Mm-hmm. I think that that will be a thing. And in addition, when people say that, it'll also be like, oh, yeah, that was that COVID year where all those things changed. You know, maybe that's wishful thinking on my part. I hope we're basically back to normal by the 2021 season, you know, if we've got vaccines and everything now, but. But maybe not, but hopefully it's this. Hopefully that what we look back on is COVID was years weird, changed everything. Alabama was extremely good and dominant. And this receiver from Alabama just looked different. Or was maybe not looked different, but did things differently than other receivers we'd seen. Because 
there had been guys that had, had his sort of numbers in the same ballpark that he did, but not that were also punt and kick returners. At least not recently. I mean, you know, 40 years ago, mm-hmm. maybe. So, do you think, because the next time we'll likely talk is when college football is supposed to resume. Again, in August, we'll do our big previews and stuff. Like we you have want to do something done. for the NFL draft? Well, we can, I could get you on for the NFL draft. I would absolutely love to have you on for I that. I mean, if you want me to, I don't say. I mean, it's your you're, podcast. You're, I, don't, you're, I don't want to be Charlie, myself on you, you are welcome to come on whenever you want. You want to, If you want to chat about anything, you let me know. You're always welcome here, my friend. You're always I, welcome. I appreciate um, that. Do you... So... Do you think that we will be able to do our full conference breakdowns and previews like we did a couple of years ago and stuff? Do you think college football in 2021 is going to be a regular full season? Will we be able to do bowl bound or not? Uh, Will we be able to have a full Capital One Bowl Mania next year? What do you... I know this is very hard to project so many months in advance because with COVID, things constantly change. But seven months from now, in August, will we be doing our full conference previews? I think we will be. I'm not a virologist or anything like that. Just assuming how things work. I should say I did write that story for the uh, the Sheldon newspaper about the uh, 1957 flu that changed the season for them. many years ago that was, but certainly that was not me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I my guess is that at some point there's going to be another spike in I don't know March or like May or something like that, mm-hmm. and then it'll change enough and it'll be down low enough that roughly like a month before teams would start practice, they'll be like, "Hey, we are we're good." If there was any worry. We're fine now. This is low enough. We've got it under control. They'll be vaccinated. Science is in our is in our favor now mm-hmm. because of vaccines and things like that. And I don't know. I don't think there will be a like World War Two celebration. But just us college football fans would be so happy that we'll be able to do that. I think it's it's going to be the sports world in general uh, being able to go back into full venues. Hopefully, uh, or at least close to full venues. Uh, it'll be more than the 25%. Uh, that's I bring up a good point. Something I, I don't know if I actually said this to anybody yet, but um, so in Iowa, where I live, mm-hmm. uh, on Friday, which Friday was, I don't remember what day this comes out, the 8th of the eighth, The 8th was, fri- eight was a Friday, yep. That, that was the first day where uh, the Iowa governor said that there were no longer any fan restrictions for high school sporting events. That people were still supposed to wear masks inside and do things like that, but that they were eliminating restrictions from the government level. Now, schools or conferences can still do whatever they want to change things. Mm-hmm. But long story short, I was at a high school basketball game between... Sioux Center and MOC Floyd Valley, which are the two largest schools and two largest conferences in our coverage area. Mm-hmm. Sioux Center's like 7,500 people in, in Orange City, where MOC Floyd Valley plays. It's about 6,500 people. So 
in you know, I was at MOC Boyd Valley. That's where the game was. Is that the, are they the Dutchmen? Just out of curiosity, they are. You are correct. Okay, I remember that. You know how I know that? Uh, we used to. They used to sometimes be at marching band competitions in high school. So that's that. I am familiar with MOC Floyd it's Valley. Funny. It's a small world. Yes, it is. So that's how I am familiar with MOC Floyd Valley. That's fun. Um, but anyways, they have either the largest or the second largest gym in our area, mm-hmm. bigger than my high school gym was. And it was probably three quarters of the way full. I mean, it's also worth noting that you know it's a rivalry game. The two schools don't like each other, so there were I, I don't have an exact number. Or even a great estimate, but I mean, there may have been eight hundred or a thousand people there. It might have been less than that. I don't know. But what I should say, this was the first high school basketball game all year that attendance-wise was close to a normal game. And there was a point early in the boys' game where I don't even remember which team, uh, one of the two teams, hit a three, and the crowd went nuts. And there was just this, like, chill that went down my spine. Where it was just like, oh, my God, that's what that's like at sporting events that have atmospheres and people yell and scream and get yep. excited. And I forgot that feeling. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, my God, I've missed this so much. There's that feeling back in me. That's really awesome. Excited. That's awesome. And it comes through. I mean, it doesn't come through on TV the same way. But, you know, we, even if they pump in crowd noise when you're watching a pro <laughs> or a college game, it's just not quite the same, and I think it'll make those games better. Certainly, it'll make high school games I cover better. And uh, I hope, I hope that by twenty twenty one in August, that everything will be back to normal. Yep, I I agree. And you know what? It it does affect the the like when you're watching it. It does when you're watching games. The on-court or the on-field product is affected because of the lack of energy within the building, within the arena, within the stadium. So your your watching experience maybe doesn't affect a whole lot, but it's the way the teams play that does affect. I mean, again, look at the the Vikings have a distinct home field advantage in U.S. Bank Stadium when that place is rocking and filled to capacity. And they went three and five at home this year. I guarantee that doesn't happen if they're in playing in a a full packed stadium. It just doesn't happen. Um, I think that the the teams take that energy um, and they, they use it. I mean, home field, t- road teams had a, a, an above 500 record in the NFL this year. So, I and I don't know for sure with college football, but I have to imagine that home field was not nearly as significant a factor this year as opposed to other years. The crowds, the crowds it's matter. It's a lot easier when there's just literally nobody yelling anything. Just be like, yeah, all right. Exactly. Sure, we can we can play at Penn State. This isn't intimidating. Penn State and Happy Valley and all. White out, be like, white nobody there. I mean, it's... Yeah. it's so, yeah, I think... I'm yeah. I I like you. I hope that we have a full college football season next year. I think we're going to. I don't know if stadiums are going to be completely packed, but I certainly think it's going to be higher than the twenty five percent. That's my belief right now. It's probably going to hover between it. It's going to be at least fifty percent, maybe hovering towards three quarters full. I mean, I've been wrong on a lot of things anyway, so I might as well go all out. I think it's going to be one hundred percent by September. I love your optimism. I love your optimism. And the amount of, like, tailgating and arrests is going to be super high, and nobody's going to care. Those are going to be like, you know what, we're glad things are back to normal. And Fansville by Dr. Pepper will be back for another year. That's right. 
Anything else then before we so, say so long and pack it up for the season? I mean, I don't know if I have anything else. I mean, I guess it's going to be interesting. I mean, the NFL draft is related to college football, since you know that's where they get the guys. It's going to be interesting to see. I, like, I guess I don't. I looked at mock drafts because I'm a Dolphins fan, and they draft so much. I don't know. Like, are they having a combine this year? They are deciding that this week. The NFL is. They're deciding if they're going to do it in Indianapolis, uh, if they are going to push it back, if they're just going to do regional combines. Uh, they, they really, they really can't afford to push the combine back if they're going to keep doing it in Indy because the NCAA tournament is distinct is only in Indianapolis this year. So March is pretty much oh, out the right. window. I forgot about that. So they are making a decision. It is coming at some point this week. I'm assuming they're going to say that they're going to go ahead and go with it. Be like, yes, we're doing it. We'll take precautions. Whether they do or not, that's what they'll say. Yeah. But, but the bright side is that most people who like the NFL and college football that will have information on stuff and, you know, scouts leaking things and all that fun jazz. We're going to be like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Kyle Trask got a 12 on his uh, – Wonderlick? I already wonder like that's what I almost said ACT and I was like, well, pretty sure he probably got better than that on this ACT. Well, I would hope so. I I think if he didn't get that, he would be forced to go to like a community college or like Delaware State. Wow, that's a shot at Delaware State. I really, I'm sorry, Hornets. I really didn't mean that. Sorry, I'll allow it. Okay. I like anyone from Delaware State's listening anyway. It's unlikely. Now, to be fair, I don't know what demographics specifically appeal to. But Delaware State specifically seems unlikely. I think you're right. I think you're right. Well, Charlie, I always appreciate the time. It was a different year this year. Hopefully next year we'll be able to to do our regular routine. We'll play bowl bound or not. Uh, we'll have the full preview. And anytime you want to come on, you are more than welcome, my friend. You just hit me up and you'll have open forum. I have your contact information. You do. You do. And I have yours. All right. Sounds good. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Charlie. Charlie Hildebrand from the Northwest Iowa Review. Kind enough to to spend a few minutes with us and always appreciate his time. It's It's been a different year for college football, but I've appreciated being able to talk to him through it all, through all the changes, through the Big Ten postponing or canceling their season to coming back and, you know, the Pac-12, just everything. It's been a difficult year, but, uh, He's one of the best, a great friend, and I really enjoy talking college football with him. So congrats to Alabama winning the national championship, 52-24 to over Ohio State. Just completely, it, it was a game for about a quarter and a half, 25 minutes, and then Alabama took over after that. So congrats to them on the win. Devontae Smith, fantastic. Uh, he's a top three pick. If I were the Jets, I'd take him at two. Pair him with Sam Darnold, pretty much all there is to it. We do have more, though, to get to here on the Sports Block Podcast, uh, on po- available on podcast.com. Uh, next, we are going to talk with Marcus Traxler from the Mitchell Daily Republic, our resident hockey expert. The NHL season's dropping, the, the, the puck's dropping on the NHL season this week, this Wednesday. By the time you listen to this podcast, it'll already have, have started. So we'll get his thoughts on the new uh, division format and what he thinks, uh, who he thinks is going to make the playoffs and win the Stanley Cup and see what else we discuss with him. And then uh, we'll we'll recap 
Super NFL Wild Card Weekend and make some picks for the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. That's all coming up next year, so plenty more to get to here. Stay tuned for more to come here. Marcus Traxler next on the Sports Block Podcast. All right, the NHL season here is upon us. Welcome back to the Sports Block Podcast, by the way. NHL season is upon us. A delayed start. Who better to talk that, about that with than my good friend from the Mitchell Daily Republic and our resident NHL expert, Marcus Traxler. Marcus, how are we doing? I'm good, Shaq. How are you? Good, good. Long time no talk, so good to have you back on the podcast. Um, I guess, you know, well, we talked in October. The, the Lightning just finished uh, wrapping up winning the Stanley Cup. Um, and here we are now in January, a little bit of a delayed season, and a lot, uh, I guess, is changing with this uh, new NHL season. First off, how excited are you that hockey is finally back? Um, excited. I'm not over the moon about it, just because it's it does feel awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we are we are back on sort of a little bit more normal sports schedule now with the NBA and the NHL going and. Um, you know, both of those leagues playing abbreviated seasons to eventually hopefully get back on track to what their their typical season is. But um, I am interested in the NHL for sure just because uh, there's these, you know, different divisions and they're only going to play in the divisions and, and the playoffs are going to be a little bit different. So um, I'm, I'm certainly interested in it. I think the Wild have uh, a lot to, to keep an eye on. So I'm interested, but still kind of in football mode and I always, you know, usually just naturally translate to basketball yep. this this year might be different just because uh you know college college basketball is no guarantee this year either so. right yeah and everything's different you know with how the summit league is playing their uh conference slate out playing games on fridays and saturdays and of course you have uh, the missouri valley football uh gonna begin here and in uh, February here in about a month, NBA has already gotten going, but they've run into a few COVID issues. Uh, so let's kind of just start there. Uh, the the NHL is going with a 56-game schedule, so shorter than the normal 82 games by 26 games, if my math serves me correct, which it does. Um, so with it being an abbreviated schedule, not even just looking at the divisions, because we'll get to that in a moment here, but uh, abbreviated schedule... COVID is still rampant across this country. So what uh, what odds do you give the NHL of being able to, to successfully navigate through a 56-game schedule here before the playoffs? Um, based on what we're seeing already, I think it's going to be tough for them to get all 56 games in for every team. Um, if that's Unless they're willing to move you know, their schedule back, and maybe they will be. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to say because there are parts of this country that uh, – have it have it going pretty bad we know california is not doing well uh florida you know some of these warm weather locations are having another run through it but um you know i think they're just gonna you're just gonna have to a lot like the nfl if if you've got four or five guys that are out and you still can manage to play and there's going to be a taxi squad uh for hockey like there was for baseball Mm-hmm. Um, you might just have to play. I mean, that, I don't know. I don't know what other way you you can do if if the intent is to keep the schedule. So um, it'll be difficult. But we've already seen teams with problems. You know, we've had uh, uh, the Canucks just shut down practice. You had the Stars with the first team. They had five or six guys that are out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe the Lightning too. Um, so you just you know you start going down the list. and It's like well, um, 
I think they're going to be battling it for a lot of the season. That's just my hunch. Then there are only three teams currently that are going to allow partially filled arenas, uh, the Coyotes, the Stars, and the Panthers, uh, which is a little surprising considering Florida's uptick in cases. Tampa Bay has said that they won't have fans until at least February 5th. Uh, so it, it's just going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out. Uh, when it comes to the divisions, you know, we have a change in the divisions this year, which is great, ex- except if maybe you're uh, a Minnesota Wild fan and you don't want to stay up late because you're going to be having to stay up late to watch a lot of these games having to play on the West Coast. Normally, the Wild are in a division with the Blackhawks, the Winnipeg Jets, the Dallas Stars, the St. Louis Blues, the Nashville Predators, um, did I say the Dallas Stars? Or the Colorado Avalanche, excuse me. Yeah. Um, and St. Louis, yeah. Yep, in St. Louis. Yep. This year, the Wild are, you know, because of the, the change in schedule, because the NHL just said, hey, we want all the Canadian teams to just remain up in Canada, uh, be- in part because of the of what Canada's restrictions are regarding COVID. It just made more sense for the Canadian teams to stay up there. So you have those seven teams up there, uh, Winnipeg, Montreal, Ottawa, uh, Toronto, Edmonton, Calgary, and Vancouver. So those are teams are all one division. Well, the Wild are going to be combined with the West Division. So they have to play Vegas. They have to play the Kings, the Ducks, the Coyotes, the St. Louis Blues, the Sharks, and the Avalanche. They are familiar with the Avalanche and the Blues, but the rest of the teams normally are what would be in the Pacific Division. This isn't necessarily a bad thing for the Wild. Um, so how do you, when we look at this division, how do you see it playing out for the Wild? Because uh, the Pacific Division doesn't have a lot of great teams, some certainly some rebuilding teams, but the amount of travel in there could certainly wear on a team, I would think, such as the Wild. I think overall it's good for them. Um, you know, they're, every game is a is a two game series. Uh, you know, on these trips, so mm-hmm. it is. It's kind of like college hockey, and I think it's more often where there's a, a day off in between. You're not necessarily playing back to back days every every time, but yeah. um, you know, I think overall it's not bad for the Wild. Um, I've seen some some different playoff projections that that seem to point to them being in a better position than they would be otherwise uh, because they're in a bit a little bit lighter division. You've got you know, like you said, Colorado, Vegas, and St. Louis. I think those are probably the three best teams uh, in a in a pretty clear margin in this division. Without question, yep. And then and then you go to the other end and you say, okay, San Jose. I don't expect to be very good. L.A. has some young talent, but I don't think it's ready. Uh, Anaheim. I don't think they're necessarily, you know, in in the groove. So you're really looking at you know Arizona's there to compete with you. If you want to leave Anaheim in the pile, you can. Um, and you could you could say, hey, it's it's three or four teams for two slots if you want to throw St. Louis in there as well. So I like Minnesota's chances in, in that case. And when you look at how um, travel heavy it is and how the games are relatively packed, I mean, it's in these next two months they're pretty much going to be playing uh, every other night, you know, for two months mm-hmm. pretty regularly. And I think the Wild have a pretty deep team, so I think they should be okay uh, as far as being able to compete and being in it uh, at the end of the year. The most exciting move perhaps for the Wild and for Wild fans here is Kapril Kiprasov, um 
coming over finally from Russia. That's great news. He's It's been a long time that we've waited for him or that Wild fans have waited for him. Uh, what are you uh, hoping to see from him? Because he could certainly jettison this offense and really get it going. Yeah, he kind of has that game-breaking ability that the Wild just have not had for a very long time. Uh, brings some flair and some dramatics to his goal scoring and that sort of thing. So that's a, a huge step forward. Now, I, I still have my expectation just tempered slightly because it's going to be the NHL. I, I know he was good in the KHL, and I know he was good at a young age in that league. But um, it's just a different animal, and I don't. I, it would be wrong for the Wild to put a ton of pressure on him, but I think he's going to be ready. I mean, it's from everything I've, I've read, it sounds like he's – you know, relatively mature and and understands that the Wild are um, looking to him to make some plays, and he's got the skill set to do it. So I'm excited. I think it should be um, you know, just just having a guy who's like a bona fide goal scorer and a guy who that's his deal on the ice. I think that'll be really exciting. How do you think the goaltending uh, position is going to work out? They bring in Cam Talbot in the offseason. They still have Alex Stalock. Uh, Capo uh, Kakinen from uh, from Iowa is a name to certainly keep in mind in there. He made a couple of starts last year. Uh, it, certainly he's probably perhaps the goaltender of the future for the Wild. But how do you see the goaltending kind of shaking out here for this team? Hopefully better than it was uh, last year yes. or previously with Devin Dubnik. Mm-hmm. Uh, Devin Dubnik was great when they brought him in however long ago it was, six, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he has not been good the last few years. And uh, they found a willing trade partner by sending him to San Jose. And uh, it was sort of a goalkeeper, uh, you know, what it was, musical chairs, you know, yep. to have guys moving around, um, you know, from, you know, one guy would move to the next team and he'd get replaced by another team's goalie. And it just seemed like everybody moved around. So it worked for the Wild. Uh, they get Cam Talbot from Calgary, who. Uh, he's not an amazing goaltender by any means, but uh, 9-18 save percentage the last, in last year, the Wild will take that right now because I think um, you know, their goalkeeping was below that. Uh, Dubnik, I, you know, he was he was flirting with 900 there for a while, so um, that makes a huge difference. That's a couple goals, you know, every every uh, three games if you're facing 100 shots. So um, they they hopefully that's a big step forward. And I mean, the thing for the Wild is that. They're going to be in a position where they got to win games 2-1 and 3-2. They, they are not going to be – I mean, I think they're going to have depth. They'll have some options scoring-wise, but this is not a team that can win very many 5-4 games or 6-5 or whatever. So sure. um, hopefully that's that's uh, a step forward. And Like you said, they do have some other options. We've seen Staylock in, in pieces where he's um, a capable backup. So mm-hmm. I, that's not something to be worried about, but – um, I think we also kind of saw that he's not necessarily a number one goaltender. Otherwise, they would have gone with him. Yep. Uh, Kakinen is sort of waiting in the wings, and it's interesting because he's been he's, – he's getting a little bit more responsibility every year, but it, it's clear they're not ready for him to take over. And they did bring back the Hamburglar, Andrew Hammond, who mm-hmm. is in the AHL as well. So in case things do go poorly, they do have sort of the uh, NHL journeyman uh, in, the, in the minors that they have to call on him. So – so uh, the Wild here, like I said, in that new division, uh, the 
well, I, mean, I already mentioned that Canada has their own division. Then you look at the Central and the East. The East, not all that surprising. Washington, Boston, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, the Rangers, the Islanders, the Devils, and Buffalo. Then you get to the Central, and it's really just a hodgepodge of the rest because when I see that Tampa Bay is in the Central, it just brings me back to the old NFC Central days where you had the Lions, the Bears, the Vikings, the Packers, and the Bucks way down in Florida. I mean, this division has Columbus and Chicago, Nashville, Florida, Tampa Bay, Dallas, Carolina, and Detroit. It's pretty much, hey, you know what, you, you guys are kind of the island of misfit toys. We're just going to bunch you all into a division here. Yeah, you know, central in name only. And it, yes. it, it is funny that it brings up, you know, just, just like you said, some of these weird divisions where you, you know, for a long time you had uh, the Colts in the AFC East. They had won the AFC East more recently than the Bills had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Bills have been in the East, you know, forever. So um, it is interesting. It is sort of a hodgepodge. There are some decent teams in there. Um, yeah. You know, that's that makes it interesting. But um, I guess... And it was it was very weird a couple of weeks ago because you had sort of this back and forth between Dallas, St. Louis, and Minnesota. Who's going to be in there? Who's going to be in the West? And for a while, it looked like uh, Dallas was going to be uh, in that Western division, and then they ended up putting Minnesota and St. Louis in there. And you know, aside from the TV times, like you said, it, it's not really that big of a deal. And um, yeah, I, I mean, you got the defending champions in Tampa Bay, and then after that, you know. Got Dallas, Nashville, Carolina, which you expect to be pretty good. Columbus should be in that mix. You're only taking four teams in each division, no matter what, and there's no wild cards this year, so um, that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Most definitely, and with the with the playoff uh, format, like you said, you're going to take four teams from each division, and then I imagine, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, are they just going to pair one through sixteen up? Is that kind of like a based on uh, points and stuff? No, so they're going to play. You're going to play in your own division in the playoffs. Oh, so like the there same. Will be, as there like will two be years a ago. division winner. Yeah, and then uh, when they get to the last four, then they'll reseed. So it's possible that you could have Boston against Tampa Bay for the Stanley Cup final, or Colorado against uh, you know name some team from the West. You could have. Yep. You could have you know Colorado and and uh, Calgary or da- Dallas or Calgary. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. For for the Canadian friends that listen to this podcast, you have a one in four chance just on the numbers of getting a team, uh, you know, or a better chance of getting to the uh, the Stanley Cup final. So um, that's a step forward, but um, it will it will be a little interesting because I'm sure these these divisions, will, uh, you know, it'll be hard. There's no it, there's no cross division play uh, during the regular season because everybody's going to play in their own division for 56 games, and then you're going to have the playoffs. So you won't see these other teams. It'll you know, we'll all be able to look and give it the eye test and, and have an idea which division is the best. But, um, you know, you look at that Eastern division, okay, between Boston, Pittsburgh, and Washington, uh, only one of those teams is going to be in the running. So We are big in Saskatoon and Yellowknife. Uh, yes, so. of course. Right To my to my uh, friends in Red Deer, good evening. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly, so. exactly. Um, so, I mean, so with these new divisions uh, – Certainly, you could maybe have a, a few more rivalries, at least temporarily, here for this year. Um, just thinking, you know, with kind of the back-to-backs and stuff, and you're only playing within your division all year long. Um, 
where who do you think has the biggest advantage doing that playing only within their specific division who are, who are a couple of teams that you're really looking at and saying boy they got the they got a pretty good draw in all of this I personally think that Toronto is the best of the seven teams that are in the Canadian division now I don't know that they'll necessarily take advantage of that but um, or that they're necessarily going to be the team that emerges that I saw some projections that had Montreal as the second best team, which I wasn't something wasn't something I was expecting in that division. So um, I think Colorado and Vegas are going to be. I think they're clearly the two best teams in the West. So I think they will be in a good position there. And I just think you know Tampa Bay is clearly the best team in their division. So mm-hmm. are they able to just kind of run up the score against their teams? I mean, you you can. Uh, the the last four will be seated on the points in the regular season. So I guess there is a value to winning as many games as you can and and putting yourself in a good position for that that last uh those last two rounds but um that's where i look at there being a, a big advantage is um i think toronto is is the best team that can envision tampa in, in the central and then i could go either way on colorado or, or vegas colorado is i mean it seems like they've kind of been building up so yep this might be their moment and certainly in the East, it seems pretty cutthroat. You have a lot of good teams in there. Certainly the Devils vastly underachieved and were highly disappointing last year. I mean, Buffalo's improving, though. The, the Rangers, they could do something. But between Washington, Boston, Pittsburgh, you know, the Islanders played really well last year. There are going to be a couple of teams from the East Division here that aren't going to get out. And I, I've, I found it interesting that in looking at this, you know, that it's the same scheduling format for all of these divisions so uh you know with the eastern division teams all relatively close geographically you would have thought okay maybe they don't need to go play like the back-to-backs and stuff in the same Mm -hmm. city uh but they're doing that so at least from the nhl's uh side of it the scheduling consistency is something that you have to like i think that's the most reasonable thing and honestly um you know, when you think about, like, what are the things that sports will take out of uh, this pandemic? I think this is one of the things they might take out of it, is just to say, why are we why are we having, you know, Minnesota and Dallas, or whatever example you want to have, why are we having those teams play each other three, three months apart, you know, and making two trips? Mm-hmm. Why not just play two games over three days or four days or whatever you want it to be, and you're done with them, at least in that spot for the season, and then you know, later in the year, if Minnesota needs to go to Dallas, whatever, that's fine. But, um, you know, rather than just burning the jet fuel going back and forth, maybe it makes more sense to, hey, let's let's take two, uh, two games here at once. Because I don't really think fans mind. Uh, you know, I don't think they necessarily care from night to night. It's, you know, oh, we got to play Washington again. I don't think that's – I don't think fans really are bothered by that. So. No. Nope, I would agree. It does think, and, and I think... The, one, the yeah. one point I would make on the East is that it seems like a lot of the off-season storylines are in that division. You had um, Taylor Hall went to Buffalo. He's on a one-year deal. He's, he, Buffalo's excited to have him. Mm-hmm. But Taylor Hall's looking at that as like, hey, let's, let me see if I can prove my worth again, make, some, make big money again, and go from there. Um, you got... Uh, you had Braden Holpe... Or, excuse me, Braden Holpe left... You, you brought in uh, Henrik Lundqvist. Now, he's not going to start the season because I think he's got the heart issue yep. uh, thing. So that's that's kind of disappointing. You had Zidane Charo, who's played for the, the Bruins for forever. He's 43 years old. Yep. Uh, he's in Washington. I think since so, the Kennedy administration, he's been playing for. <laughs> apparently, he, he played, I mean, he 
he played like 800 games or something even before he got to to Boston, which I had no idea. I didn't even know. I mean, he's been around since the late 90s, and apparently he had a whole uh, whole stretch with, with somebody else before he got to Boston, so I didn't know that. But, um, yeah, interesting to see how, that's, how some of those major storylines are in that division, at least for a casual fan, I think. The one difficult part for the Wild this year, I think, is the fact that Chicago, Nashville, and... Um, and the Jets all seem to be kind of rebuilding. So if this were, were a year where the Wild would have to play in that division, they seemingly might be one of the better teams outside of a, out of Colorado or St. Louis or even Dallas. Uh, am I far off in that assessment? It just seems like those three teams who are all in the Central aren't going to necessarily have great years. Well, I think one of the main issues here is that no matter how you slice it, and it's, it, it can be a good thing, it can be a bad thing. The Wild are basically in the middle. And mm-hmm. the Wild have been in the middle for pretty much their entire existence. Yep. Uh, they've never been terrible, they've never been great. Um, and they're mostly in the middle here. And I think that would have been the case in that division too because the three teams you mentioned, Colorado, Dallas, and St. Louis, St. I think are all yep. better. St. Louis m- might be the team that's uh, closest to the Wild. Um, and that's, you could make the same argument in the West that there's three or four teams that you know the Wild are better than. So... I, I, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but I think that uh, they're kind of getting the same the same route in either direction. Yeah. And they are they are more familiar with these Western teams than they are uh, Tampa these. Bay. I, I, I don't want the Wild playing Tampa Bay no, uh, nope, you know, six or seven times if they don't have to, so I don't think that's all that either. Nope, I, I would agree with that. And like you said, they are middle of the, of the pack, middle of the road essentially. So as we look towards these divisions here, let's start in the West. What four teams do you like making it out of this division? I will I will stick with with my uh, my list I've kind of worked with so far: Colorado, Vegas, St. Louis, Minnesota. Um, I think Minnesota will probably be the fourth team there, and and that would mean playing Colorado in the first round. And I don't think that's necessarily a great great thing for the Wild, but um, I think getting the playoffs for this team is is certainly within reach and something they can they can strive for. I am in complete and full agreement with you here Arizona would be that team that I think has the best chance of knocking the wild out of that fourth position uh let's move to the north the all Canadian division here uh who do you like as the top four I like Toronto Montreal Calgary and Edmonton are my four okay I am gonna go slightly different here Toronto Vancouver Edmonton and then it kind of flips between Calgary and Montreal for me. I will go Calgary. Um, I I really liked what I saw from Vancouver the last year against the Wild. They, they have those good young pieces. I think they will continue to ascend. So I like Vancouver. Um, and I think that's the lone difference that we have. It's it's interesting. They they have Braden Holtry now. Uh, Jacob Markstrom was tough for the, the Wild to solve in that playoff series. And now he's moved on to take Cam Talbot's space, uh, place in uh, in Calgary, and you've got Holtby in Vancouver. So it is a little bit of a, a change-up, but I agree they do have a good young core that uh, should only improve. So Vancouver is, yeah, worth putting in that mix too. Then we move to the East Division here, Washington, Boston, Pitt, Philadelphia, the Rangers, the Islanders, the Devils, and Buffalo. Who do you like as the four teams out of that division? Um, I like Boston. Pittsburgh, Washington, and Philadelphia. Okay. 
I will here go slightly different. I'll uh, I'm gonna go with Washington, Boston, Pittsburgh, and the Islanders. Yeah, it's just I I just am a sucker for Barry Trotz, I guess, because he, he does wonders with the Islanders, and I think they're gonna do it again. So I'm he's showing he's showing ability to to turn these teams into something. So I, I can't uh, can't disagree with that very much. It is I think it's interesting um, Pittsburgh. I don't, you know, Sidney Crosby will not be great forever. And so right. the question is just, you know, is, is do we see any slowdown in that regard from him? So um, it'll be interesting to see what Pittsburgh's able to put together. It's kind of like, you know, the Penguins and the Steelers are kind of on the same trajectory. You know, you have aging players. Uh, just how long can they keep going? You know, ben, Big Ben this year, and obviously the Steelers lost to the Browns, which we're all heartbroken about. No, we aren't. Um, but, yeah, I mean, at, at some point, the Penguins dynasty is going to end. They are going to have to start rebuilding. So that's going to be something interesting to watch. And then in the Central Division, who are the top four? I'm going to go with Tampa Bay, Carolina, Dallas, and I'm going to put Columbus in over Nashville. Okay, I am flip flop. I'm in full agreement with you on Tampa Bay, Dallas, Carolina, and then it comes down to me between Florida and Columbus. I really I love Torts and Columbus, and what they did in getting to the playoffs last year was great. I think I'd, I'm gonna try and run with Florida again, though. Uh, disappointing first year for Joe Quenville, but. I think Florida's going to get it done. So I'm going to take Florida out for Columbus. So really, we are in pretty much full agreement here, except for, I believe, three teams. That's uh, not bad. And it's it's either a great sign or it's a bad omen, one yes. of the two. So. Normally, hasn't it been a bad omen? It has been a bad omen, yeah. Usually us agreeing is not a great sign for uh, whoever whoever we agreed on. So. And then uh, Stanley Cup final then. Who, who do you like uh, to make it there? I will surely regret this when we get to May or whatever, whenever these playoffs are going to be held. But I'm going to say that it will be Colorado against Toronto. Toronto, we will have a uh, Canadian Stanley Cup team once again. All of Canada will be either you know, with Toronto or against them, and I will take Colorado to beat them. So I have Colorado winning it all. Okay. I think I, that was my team last year, if I recall correctly. I will... I think it's going to be come, come down between Colorado and Vegas in the um in in the West there. So I or specifically yeah within the Western Division, I will go too with Colorado. I'll have them play in Tampa Bay though, and Tampa Bay is just so dang good. Um, they are. We haven't had what back to back repeating Stanley Cup champions. The Penguins did that um back. Is that a decade ago now that they? I, that I they would did say, that? yeah, about a decade. You know what? Did, let's did let's we, do it. Did Chicago, Chicago didn't do it, did they? No, I think they were just the every other year sort of deal. Yeah, that's right. All right, we're gonna do it. Tampa Bay over Chicago or over Colorado. I like it. I like it. All right. Sorry, Lightning fans, uh, but you know, between you getting the Stanley Cup last year and you know the. The Rays in the World Series and Tom Brady. You're kind of spoiled right now. You really are. Yeah, they are. They are, yeah. Marcus, I always appreciate the time, my friend. Uh, I'm sure we'll be catching up throughout the NHL season for sure once the playoffs begin. But enjoy it. Um, 
And, and briefly here, uh, did you have any thoughts from Super Wild Card Weekend or with uh, the Eagles firing Doug Peterson, which just makes me cry immensely? <laughs> well, I, I am a little surprised that the, the Eagles did uh, go ahead and do that. I, I think it's clear that something had to change, and it sounds like Doug Peterson didn't want to be told what to do. That was the report today, so um, I guess that makes the decision easy if you're um, Jeffrey Lurie and the Eagles brass. Maybe um, if he didn't want to be told what to do, he shouldn't have put Sudfeld in in the fourth quarter because that wasn't his doing. Well, yeah, somebody had a good tweet, you know, saying, "Well, you know, hope that draft pick was worth it because you're out of a out of a job now, you know." And and uh, you know, to me, you can fire him, but that doesn't really solve the quarterback problem. And I think that's kind of the major thing that they're dealing with, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I just, I that still remains a problem. If you believe that Wentz is a one year aberration and that he's going to come back and he'll be better. That's fine, but um, he didn't look very good at the end of the end of the year. And obviously, you benched him, and you didn't even play him in that last game when you didn't have anything on the line. So um, that's that's a little surprising. As as for the uh, Super Wild Card round, uh, it was fun to have the six games. I mean, just the two extra games is is a bonus if you're a football fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised at just how. Seattle fell apart late in the year, and the same could be said for Pittsburgh, although I think Pittsburgh, I mean, you can kind of see why. You can kind of understand it a little bit better, but going from 11-0 and to being out in the first weekend is is really something. Cleveland is a, is a testament to, hey, maybe we shouldn't practice uh, very much because yeah. it, it worked out for them. Um, Baltimore and Tennessee, I mean, I just think, obviously, I think Baltimore is better, and it, they won the game, but those are two teams that I just had a, I had no feel as to how that game was going to go because Tennessee has, has had Baltimore's number. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think the way that the Rams performed, it does leave me a little bit more optimistic uh, about the game against the Packers and that it will be a good game. You know, I, I, I've kind of resigned myself to the fact that I think the Packers are going to be, you know, they're at least going to be in the NFC Championship. They might well be in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, I, wanted, I wanted Tampa Bay to go play. Uh, the Packers that might still happen if they both win, but um, you know it'll be it'll be interesting to watch. I think I think Tampa Bay will beat New Orleans. Um, I don't I'm not impressed by Breeze right now, and uh, I don't know. That's just my hunch on that game, and I, I fully expect to be to see uh, Kansas City in the Super Bowl if we have uh, the Bills against Kansas City in the AFC Championship. I think that'd be fun. Yes, and uh, yeah, I. I I don't want Green Bay in the Super Bowl, but I could see us having Green Bay in Kansas City. Yep. No, I think that's the likely uh, Super Bowl scenario. Um, and, and doesn't it feel like now that we're in the middle of this, I mean, that, that one team getting the bye, it, it does feel like a huge advantage. Um, yep. You know, just, just to know that you didn't have to play this last week, uh, it, it feels like you are closer to the Super Bowl, maybe closer than in past years. And, yep. Um, I, it, it's it's a huge advantage, and, think, and maybe maybe both those teams will lose this week, and we'll all say, "Oh, you know, Rusty, you know, who knows?" But um, those are good teams. So. I, I think the one interesting note, specifically related to the Packers game against the Rams here, it's going to come down to how healthy Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup are, it's specifically Aaron Donald, because he's the best in the business. Uh, Troy Aikman says he's the best he's ever seen. Take it for what it's worth from Troy Aikman. Yep. Um, but if the Rams are as healthy as they can be outside of the quarterback position, I give them a puncher's chance to beat Green Bay. But it does seem like it's just all headed 
uh, looking like Green Bay is going to be down in Tampa Bay for the Super Bowl. Uh, what team do you think would give the Packers more of a fight in the NFC Championship game, the Saints or the Bucks? Um, I'm leaning towards the Bucks. Um, I don't know. I, when you're watching Breeze, what do you think right now? Because I, I don't think he's. he's good. I don't think he's that good. Nope. I mean, and and Kamara is good, and and the running is good, and their defense is pretty solid. I mean, you don't want to compare it to uh, Trubisky, the Nickelodeon player of the game. Congrats, uh, Mitch, <laughs> on that. Uh, that's that's stuff you'll live with forever. Um, but I, I just think uh, you know Tampa Bay's defense is solid. Uh, they have the threats at wide receiver that will at least challenge the Packers, and, and not that the Saints don't, but. Um, it's weird to trust Brady more. I think they'll both be in trouble in the cold weather. I just assume it will be cold in Green Bay, but yep. um, I'm, I'm definitely interested. So I, I agree with you. I think Tampa Bay's probably got the better overall team than New Orleans. It has a better chance to take Green Bay down. They've already done it once this season. No reason that they can't do it again, but the cold is the major factor here. And um, nothing speaks more to the trouble that our youth is in if they think Mitchell Trubisky is the uh, MVP of the wild. Well, you, you, you saw that Twitter got a hold of it, and they it was a joke. Uh, Twitter Twitter got a hold of it, made sure Trubisky won. Yep. So, yep. Uh, which I I fully support. I I just think you know that the youth got to get on Twitter then and and and, and make right their wrong here. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I think whether it was the youth or not, I think they got it right. So. He did. He had that marvelous touchdown pass at the end of the game to Jimmy Graham. That uh, if they had kicked the extra point, they would have covered. They would have covered. Yes, and, and we can thank the Minneapolis Miracle for that not happening because they yep. made they changed the rule after uh, the Saints spent 15 minutes in the locker room and we had to drag everybody out and kick that or have a meaningless kneel down. Did so. you watch the Nickelodeon telecast or did you watch the CBS? I, I watched. I mean. I, I probably watched a uh, total like 15 minutes of it, 20 minutes of it. I mean, I thought it was uh, pretty well done. I thought it was a good idea. Um, I think when it was announced five months ago or whatever that they were going to have a game on Nickelodeon, I kind of laughed about it like everybody else. But, um, you know, if you're if you're trying to get a new audience into the game and the NFL will need kids to get involved or kids to be interested, I think it's a good way to, to try it. Um, and... You know, it is a complex sport. We just take it for granted that we know what's happening with, with football. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but we look at cricket or some other sport, and we have no idea what's going on. So, exactly. Um, you know, I, I think introducing it at a young age in a way that's approachable is a good idea. And it was funny because you saw on Twitter, you know, people kind of laughing at, like, you know, could you see MLB doing that? No, because it, some of them are just, you know, it just seems like they're so stodgy about uh, you know, the rules. Un, 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 unwritten rules and yep. all the problems that baseball has, and um, you know, I just I, th- I think uh, you, we've, we've got the national championship game. You had the the wild card game on ESPN where there's a mega cast option. I spent a lot of time watching the ESPN two or ESPN plus. I think it was had the broadcast of you know, kind of like the analytics uh, stream and the the betting. I, I yep. thought it was great. I was entertained by it. So. Um, Nate Burleson did a hell of a job. He did a hell of a job there. On, What's on that? Nate Burleson on Nickelodeon. Yeah, he did, did a great, great job. job. Yeah. So yeah. I, I hope I, they do it again for the Super Bowl or for some other time down the line because it is a great way to get kids involved. Uh, just help them understand the game simply. Um, 
So I, I mean, it, when you watch it, you understand, like, yeah, a lot of these, uh, you know, analysts that you hear during the game, they're overdoing it, man, because it doesn't have to be this hard to explain. If, if Nate Burleson can explain it to an eight-year-old kid um, in a clear manner, then that's that should maybe be the goal. So, Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Marcus, I always appreciate the time, my friend. Like I said, we'll, we'll hopefully chat soon. Uh, but uh, you keep uh, you take care, and, and we'll chat soon. Thanks, Stackham. Thank you, Marcus. Marcus Traxler from the Mitchell Daily Republic. Always uh, appreciate his time there. Great stuff. Um, yeah, great stuff there. So the NHL season beginning this week. We'll see how the Wild do. Um, <coughs> new division, so that's good. Well, let's wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast with a look back at Super Wild Card Weekend and make some early picks for Divisional Weekend. Uh, so, six games on Wild Card Weekend, great. And it started out fantastic. In Buffalo, fans there for the first time for the first playoff game since 1995 in Buffalo. And, you know what? Uh, the, the, the Bills, uh, the Colts dominated in the first half. Phillip Rivers and company were, ju- were running it down the field. They had the ball... Two to one time of possession, and they should have been up at least thirteen to seven with under two minutes to go. Said Frank Wright goes for it on fourth down. They don't convert. Bills drive all the way down, score a touchdown, and just like that. At the end of the half, it's fourteen ten Buffalo, and it felt like the Colts should have been up by at least uh, uh, a score, if not more. Maybe even if you're down fourteen thirteen, so be it. Bills take advantage in the second half. They get up big, but the Colts kept battling back. Had a chance to win it late on a Hail Mary, but Phillip Rivers' pass ultimately fell short. They probably shouldn't have even had that because the NFL officiating crew didn't do a good job on a Zach Pascal fumble that they said he was down and then couldn't didn't reverse it. Inconclusive evidence. It was bad. It was bad. But the Bills get their first playoff win since 1995, so congrats to them. L.A. Rams beat the Seattle Seahawks 30-20. to uh, John Wolford got the start at QB for L.A., Got knocked out in, on the second possession of the game, I think, after Jamal Adams hit him uh, in the head with his shoulder. Um, Jared Goff came in, bum thumb and all, and played okay, but this was all about the Rams' defense. They swarmed the Seahawks' offense pretty much all game long. Aaron Donald had two sacks. He left with bruised ribs. That concerns me for their game against Green Bay this week. But the, the Seahawks' offense, Russell Wilson just couldn't get anything going. They looked bad. They looked really bad, and the Seahawks have looked that way several times um, throughout this season, where they just get their slow on offense and try and turn it on late. Not this time, though, uh, so the Rams get the win there. And then Saturday night, Tom Brady and the Bucks beat Taylor Heineke in Washington 31-23. Brady and company had a good passing day to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown. Some big stuff there. Taylor Heineke, though, awfully impressive for Washington in loss. Over 300 yards through the air uh, and a passing touchdown. Almost 50 yards rushing and a rushing touchdown as well. So Washington did very good. He may He's going to get paid this offseason because of his performance in this game. Sunday then, uh, the Baltimore Ravens spotted the Tennessee Titans 10 early points. And then Lamar Jackson and company went to work scoring the next 17. including a ridiculous run by Lamar Jackson. 48 yards for the score. Tied the game up at 10 late in the first half. The Titans were then trailing 17-13 in the fourth quarter. Fourth and two from the Ravens, 40, and they punted it. With like 10 minutes to go, you don't do that. Just run it. But then again, Derrick Henry had only 40 yards rushing for the entire game. Uh, they punted it. Ravens go down, get a field goal. Titans ultimately lose 20-13. to 
Every time the two teams have met in the playoffs, the road team has won. Fun fact. Sun, uh, then uh, the New Orleans Saints beat the Chicago Bears 21-9. Uh, pretty boring game, but it was fun watching on Nickelodeon. Uh, Noah Eagle, son of the great Ian Eagle, who called uh, Colts Bills on on Saturday. Uh, uh, girl from uh, from Nickelodeon, a star there. She was uh, she was fine. And Nate Burleson, wonderful job. Slime cannons, everything. This is what, who cares about the game? Saints won. Bears suck on offense. This was all about Nickelodeon, the great Nickelodeon shows, Legends of the Hidden Temple, Rugrats, I mean, Hey Arnold, Doug, I mean, just uh, Double Dare, just so many great ones, Rocket Power, Slime, it was great, and then the major game, uh, the major eye-opening, uh, COVID issues all about for, for Cleveland uh, throughout the week, and on the very first snap of the game, Marquise Pouncey, Steelers safety, snaps it over Big Ben's head. The Browns recover in the end zone for a touchdown. And they would force more turnovers from Big Ben, a couple of interceptions in the first quarter. Browns were up 28 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. Kind of got a little lackadaisical on offense there. In middle parts of the, the second and the third quarter, the Steelers got within 12. It was 35 to 23. But then the, steel, the the Browns would score Nick Chubb on a screen pass, 42-23. And ultimately, the Browns would win, 48-37. Huge win for them. Browns, that is their first playoff win since 1994. And congratulations to the, to the city of Cleveland, to Northeast Ohio, and Browns fans everywhere. You deserve it. As we go now to Divisional Wild Card Weekend. Only four games this weekend, so we, we were fortunate to have six. It's down to four now. So let's, uh, it starts Saturday afternoon. Six-seeded LA Rams against the one-seed Green Bay Packers, 4.35 p.m. Eastern, 3.35 p.m. Central Time on Fox. I think the Rams could actually give the Packers a run for their money because they can run the ball and their defense is so good. Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, great, but how healthy is Aaron Donald? That's the key. Uh, we'll see what the, the Packers can do. I think I give the Rams a good chance in this one, but ultimately Green Bay prevails. Uh, Baltimore Ravens, five seed at the Buffalo Bills, the two seed, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on NBC. I'm tempted to go with the Ravens here just because Lamar Jackson and company have been running so well. Buffalo's really going to have to sell out to stop the run. But, I don't know. The Ravens' defense is good. I'm going to ride with Josh Allen, though, and the Bills. I said that they're the most dangerous team in the AFC. They're my AFC representative in the Super Bowl. I'll go with the Bills, but I don't say that with a great deal of certainty at all. Then on Sunday, Cleveland Browns, sixth seed in the AFC at the one seed, Kansas City Chiefs, 3.05 p.m. Eastern, 2.05 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Browns fans, it's great. You're going to have your head coach back, Kevin Stefanski. You're going to have your whole team back, which is great. But it's the Chiefs, man. Hall of Famer Patrick Mahomes. Chiefs haven't looked great, so I don't think this is the lock that every that a lot of other people th- seem to think. But I'll go with the Chiefs here to win. And then Sunday night, then 6:40 p.m. Eastern, 5:40 p.m. Central Time, the five-seeded Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the two-seed New Orleans Saints on Fox. The Buck, it's it's tough to beat a team three three times in one year. Saints can do it, but the Bucks are playing really good football right now. I will go with the Saints, but I say that with a lot of hesitation here. Maybe I'm switching it in the midstream. I'll go with the Bucks. No, 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 the Saints. Got to go with the Saints. We'll just go with the Saints here. So that's that. Uh, those are your NFL divisional picks. Full previews and predictions can be found in the stack, stackattack.sportsblog.com in our Friday football post.
Football Friday post. Uh, so big thank you to everyone jumping on here. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Travis, as always, uh, Charlie for joining me, Marcus with the great hockey talk. Always love talking hockey with him. Um, hopefully you enjoyed the national championship game. Hopefully you enjoyed NFL Super Wildcard Weekend. And um, hopefully we can get through this together as a nation and just, I mean, it, it sucks. I'm very, I'm concerned with, quite frankly, with, with, where this country goes from here, but um, hopefully, hopefully we can get get through this together and stuff because it, it's scary time out there. Scary time for everyone. So, uh, stay safe. Wear a mask. Podcast podcasts can be found on podcast.com. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stack and uh, Travis Crins at Travis Crins. Charlie Hildebrand at C E Hildebrand. Marcus Traxler at Marcus Traxler. Um, and link to the podcast posted on both Twitter and Facebook middle later part of each week. So for Travis and Charlie and Marcus, I'm Nathan. Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of the sports block podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Give you a reprieve from what's going on here in the nation. Uh, Enjoy the football this weekend. It was great last weekend. Looking forward to another fantastic four games this weekend. So again, for everyone involved here, I'm Nathan. Thank you so much for listening. And hope you tune in again next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Stay safe, wear a mask, and we'll talk to you next week on the Sports Block Podcast.